Hitting record. It says starting recording. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Maestro Movie Podcast. I'm half dead. Alex and uh, Zach are here to witness me um, die. Someone. Something like that. <laughs> witness me. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm more susceptible to jokes now that I'm so physically vulnerable. Excellent. Nice. That's how I like them. Physically vulnerable. And by them, I mean women. Did I just admit something? Oh. Wow. Okay. Um, so we got some news going on this week. Some, a there's bit. a lot. Let's save the Star Wars stuff to the end. Oh, because Chris is salty about that. No, there's a lot to unpack there. So I want to talk about something I actually just saw today, and I think it just came out today. Uh, and it has to do with our favorite movie franchise of... 10, no, like 12 years now? Fast and the Furious? Directed by a certain guy named, or uh, produced by a certain guy named Kevin Feige. Scott Dirk uh, fired from Doctor Strange 2. No, 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 not that. Although we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Actually, right. there's, there's actually two things I want to talk about. It's more minor uh, Marvel news. Um, so the first one is we got our first look at Jared Leto as Morpheus today. Did we? Yes. Man, yes. I did not know that. Uh, we we got to see our first look at uh, Jared Leto as Morpheus, the living vampire, and he looks oh, freaky, and it's great. Hey, better than when he announced himself and his look of the Joker. Everyone was talking about that in a bad yeah. way. Uh, no, it looks great. People say it's like right out of... The, th- the the comics and like to quote one guy on Twitter he says okay Sony you have my attention hashtag Morpheus M- Morbius oh my god I can't speak today so it, um, it's, it's all no, I, so what? this happened today yeah, yeah. like um like oh. 8 a.m. do you see it oh my god yeah it looks great right okay let me look at, let me look it up here as well. I'm not sure about that. I don't know what to think did, of that. Did you, see you know the, anything about Morbius? Next to the Chris? comic panel. No, not the comic. I'm looking at the the the, the photo that they. Yeah, there, there's the there's an image of it with it next to the comic panel that it's based on. Yeah, I can see the comparison. I'm just like. It looks great. It did see. It did say it was a leak. So we got to take this in the grain of salt. Sure. I mean, it take take it with a grain of salt, but it look, but it seems like Sony's not taking it down, so it's obviously at least mildly real. All right. Well, okay. Oh god. Um, My picture's taking to load, taking a while to load, like uh, yeah, nineteen nineties porn. So that's that's okay. All right. Hey, it does it took for it took forever? Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. I'm in. Um. Yeah, it looks spooky, and I'm for it. I want more scary. I want different genres in my uh, superhero stuff, in my comic stuff. So you won't get yeah. horror. Yeah, it won't be horror-y, but it'll be very thrillery, which is good. Um, <laughs> and but on the topic of horror, actually, we got one other quick thing I want to mention, which is uh, Scott Derrick's got five Duck Strange too. No, oh, <laughs> he's gonna say uh, new mutants. Getting there, just. Calm down. Um, The Marvel has officially confirmed that New Mutants is part of the MCU. 
Wait, what? BS. Yes. No, it is not. I. Marvel. Wait, so... I am double checking that. So here's the thing. I believe they said it, but I also believe they said it because the movie has no connection to anything. Sure. Yeah. Maybe maybe they like some of the actors, and maybe they like some of the performances. But like, it's just a way for them to be like, "See, we make horror movies too." When we all know that was made for the other X Men. I mean, all- uh, this this is all. This came from a newsletter from D twenty three, which is the Disney fan club run by Disney, and they oh. basically. So it's straight from Disney. Disney literally is saying it. Nope. Yeah, but they said oh, it. Hold in- on, I have the article. Uh, I have an article. Um, IGN, um, somewhere in the, somewhere on the, across the pond, a D23, yeah. a D23.com news brief article spotlighting the upcoming Fox Marvel movie, new Mut- the new mutants got fans in a tizzy when it seemingly revealed groundbreaking information connecting the X-Men universe movie to the Marvel cinematic universe. But we're here to let you know that, w- that it was not true. The article referred to the new mutants as the seriously electrifying new addition to the Marvel cinematic universe. And while the former... Very well, maybe the case. IGN can confirm that the latter is not. No, the New Mutants is not an MCU movie, though it is a n- new Fox Marvel movie to be released since Disney's acquisition of the studio. Yeah, the Disney, sense. the D23.com article has been has since been removed from the official Disney fan club's website. Um. Yeah. So. Wrong. I mean, you bring fake news to my program. It's not really uh, fake news because it like was pulled down. But that's. Okay. I mean, yeah, they, it's they, like they, Ray with the they, Force Vision before Rise of Skywalker came out. It's like all of Rise of Skywalker. It's a backtrack. Uh, uh, ah! You walked. You walked right into it, though. Oh, you walked right into it. We're not yeah. there yet. <laughs> Scott Derrickson got fired from Doctor Strange too. We'll yeah. get there, Chris. You'll be. We fine. are there. Say <laughs> what else are we gonna talk about? No, well, let's actually talk because also this week the new mutant, the new New Mutants trailer came out. That movie's coming out. I never, I thought I would never see it. Yeah, it's like three years old. <laughs> it that looks, movie's gonna be so. Cool. I hope that movie's not as dated as I think it's gonna be. I don't think it's gonna look dated. I think it'll look just fine. But uh, it looks uh, cool. Yeah, it's hard to say what it'll look like because. If I were to watch something that was three, like two, like three years ago, made three years ago, I probably wouldn't say it looked dated, but I would probably say that I see things that were maybe what they thought were going to be cool or trying to jump on trends at the time, and then maybe one of two of those things. But because from what I understand, they go to one location and they stay in one location, and that one location doesn't really have a like a, a stylistic or like pragmatic thing about it that sets it in an era it seems like it's just going to be like a haunted house movie with them having powers the like i think they'll be fine with that whole concept of it i mean it's just gonna look weird because Maisie williams is like 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 14 in this movie or she when she shot it and she's like now like 21 (laughs) that's the one thing i was thinking that yes if, if the actors have to go out and promote this movie they have to explain why they are so they have to explain some aspect of that and the studio doesn't really want them to do that so they're going to have to dance around that which is going to make it very interesting but most people really hated how game of thrones ended and um so i don't think people really care about that anymore <laughs> and she also hasn't done anything else so 
she people may look at it and be like, yeah, it's weird to see her be young again. But like, if she's good, who cares? Yeah. But also, this movie just may be a mess. We have no idea. Yeah, I, it's gonna be hard. Um, but she definitely like gonna be interesting. Well, it's funny because from what it sounds like, she kind of just left the film industry as a whole. Did she? Yeah, she she like she operates a social media platform now. She doesn't want to act at all. No, I don't know. If she doesn't want to act, but she went the route of Kylie Jenner. No, like I don't think she doesn't want to act. I think she just is so busy with her company that like she's just not acting. She's like two years younger than me, right? Uh, she is twenty-two. Oh, just what am I doing with my life? Scare yourself to movie stars. Don't. It's unfair. Yeah, uh, uh, no, she. Scott she, Derrickson got fired from Doctor Strange too. You'll be fine, Chris. We'll get there soon. Just don't worry about it. Um, yeah, uh, she she launched a social media platform last year that she's like overseeing now. It'll with, fail. Uh, <laughs> not really, because it's marketed towards famous people. So, and she's very. It'll fail. I. I, I think that if, from what I've seen from Macy Williams, I feel like she's handle she she'll handle this transition to whatever she does uh, after Game of Thrones pretty well. When I look at someone like Millie Bobby Brown on Stranger Things, I get a little worried. Yeah, she like, seems like I, she she she's gonna be in that for a while. And I mean, I'm stuck with that that I, that whole like mentality for a while. I should rephrase. Um, I just think. I, out of all, every time I see interviews and every time I see stuff about her, she's just very, uh, very just like, I feel like she's on all the time. And I think that's just going to get to her at some point. Whereas like Finn and all the, even the other girl, like all of them are just like a little bit more chill and reserved than her. And I feel, I feel bad because like when she's texting people like Drake and stuff, it's like, ooh, she's getting sucked in a world in a bubble that's probably a little bit too much for her. But I, I when I see... Macy Williams, I feel like that. I, her and Sophie Turner, for sure. I look at them both, and I'm like, okay, like they both seem like they got good heads on their shoulders. Well, the, well, the other thing is that Sophie Turner is like literally married to one of the Jonas Brothers, so she has to deal with kind of her own personal. Life. Oh, she's gonna be fine. Yeah, she'll be fine. She's married to Joe Jonas, so like she has that to won't of, that with... won't last very long though. But I she'll disagree. Be fine. I think they're gonna be married for a long time. <laughs> I don't know. Kind of dicks, but like I, I, I don't know anything about the relationship, so I can't say. But I will. She's been, tr- she's taken more roles and has had more of a drive to act since as Game of Thrones has been ending. Yes. Uh, other than Macy, like she, I, we all feel bad about how the people in uh, the X Men movies were treated at the end, but like no one really blames her for that. Yeah, I mean Macy's kind of doing her own thing and. She uh she's been all right. She well she was in um Nick Park's last movie, which was like pretty good. What was that? Early Man. Early Man? Yeah, the guy who made Wallace and Gromit. Was it an animated uh oh was yeah. the animated movie? She was in that with Eddie Redmayne and Tom Hilston. So like she's doing stuff. She's like I mean, she's technically going to have to promote the X-Men movie, so. That's, all, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the thing. When this movie comes out, how they market it, how 
fans react. Like, I'm very interested. I'm not expecting it to be a bad movie, but I am. It's It has such a weird production history. It's connected to a universe that's kind of dead. and Kind of. Well, uh, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if one day they somebody resurrected the X-Men and tried to connect it with the old movies with the hopes that they could get people like Quicksilver or uh, Hugh Jackman back. Like, I, th- there's no reason that they can't. It's just whether they will or won't. I think they should clean the slate, but wouldn't it be great if one day someone came back and redeemed it? Yeah, it would be great, but I, I don't know. Uh, again, it, there's a lot going on with this. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with it. Um, from what I've heard, Disney's kind of ordered them not to use any of the reshoot stuff and like has told them to like stay true to like the original mentality of what the film was supposed to be. So, I don't know. I, I really Fox banners, so maybe they just don't care. That's true too. They maybe they just don't care. Um, so, who knows? I don't really know. Uh, maybe it's gonna give Mar- uh, Disney even more reason to take away X Men from Fox even more. So, <laughs> um... <laughs> what did you think of the trailer overall? It looked interesting. It looked. Like what I was kind of hoping. I mean, obviously, I loved the first trailer that we got of it. It it was creepy. It was great. It it uh it was like really interesting. This trailer reminded me a lot more of the first trailer. There's a lot more horror-y stuff to it, but it felt like there was also a lot of comic booky stuff to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so it felt like a little bit of both the things I I wanted to see out of the original trailer and some stuff that I was a little bit worried. So I don't know. Uh, It's interesting. Let's go with that. Um, There was a lot more use of the mutant powers in it than I expected. Let's go with that. uh, What about you, Chris? Did you check it out? Yeah, I did. I, I, I I can't remember it. (laughs) Um, I remember I did check it out. I just like it's all blur to me right now. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like I think that'll be like the last. Like, uh, what am I trying to say? I don't know. It. I guess I'll try. I guess I'll give it a shot. I mean, I swallowed Joker, so I might as well got through this one if this is going to be like some kind of like weird horror movie. oh god it's a horror movie isn't it yeah it is uh... this chris and this looks like a legitimate horror movie that just also happens to be with superpowers pass yeah i'm gonna yeah this looks like a straight up i'm watching it now and it's like yeah this looks like a horror movie with superpowers yeah right Door, that door stuff is crazy. Ooh, that door stuff looks good. There's right. some parts of this that like I like a lot, but again, I feel like the superpowers are a little too in it. I don't like the the high use of it as much as I would hope. You know what I mean? Um, I don't. In terms of the trailer, I don't really have a problem or a stake in that. It's it would be more so how they use it in the movie, but even then, like the whole point 
of superhero movies being the most popular thing now, and the only way that they can ever grow or continue to last any longer is the adaptation of other genre ideas and styles. And that, yeah. that like, I have no problem with this movie ending with people with superpowers fighting people, but, like, if everything that led up to it was the, like, was basically a horror movie, I'm for it. That, that, that's why Scream has lasted as long as it has, because it has a sense of humor about itself, and it's genuinely a funny, scary movie without running into that crossing the line and being Shaun of the Dead, where it's a jokey movie that's kind of scary and totally within the genre of a horror movie. This, when I look at the trailer, there's a lot that says this is a horror movie more than anything else. But yeah, like there are moments where the guy is pumping the energy through his fists and the, and the girl's doing the same thing. <coughs> I, yeah, that's powers, but that's what I want. I want to see other genres with characters with superheroes so you can test their growth as characters and their limits as a storyteller. That, that is what I want because at the end of the day, we're, we're making fun, entertaining movies. I don't know anything about these characters and I don't care if I don't ever see them again and they die like it's Rogue One. It's a horror movie. I'd be okay with that. Like, Just, you know, entertain me at the end of the day. Yeah, and it looks entertaining, which is cool. I... I'm very intrigued to see Maisie's character, actually, because originally the comic character that she's based on literally can turn into a wolf, which is kind of cool. So it's kind of... What a a, a, a nice little Easter egg there. Uh, Yeah, sure. It's called called background information, Chris. Okay. Um, Hey. So there's, there's a lot of very interesting things going on there that I'm intrigued to see what what happens um obviously uh i think that uh my biggest thing that i like about horror movies is more the supernatural aspect of things from like the 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 mythological aspect not really from the you know doing uh doing uh what's what's the term i want to use like doing the like superpower sort of thing like when i see a horror movie i want to see things that are like ghosts and ghouls kind of running around rather than hey these people have like a biological factor that gives them superpowers and they're fighting other biological things with superpowers like don't get me wrong like superheroes can be creepy scary and fun but you see a lot of ones that are based in mythology and stuff i mean look at justice league the justice league dark which is just all it's an entire sect of the justice league built around uh the supernatural and the occult which is kind of cool and really interesting and fun and those comics and, and tv shows and movies are often very horrifying like one of them literally has a giant poop monster i i guess what i mean i see what you're saying yeah and that, that this is what you want out of horror this is what you enjoy out of horror and that their superpowers can take it, you it out like a it, little it, bit it, like it feels like it just pulls me out <clears throat> not necessarily that i don't like it and that i don't want to see the adaptation it just pulls me out of it a little bit and Obviously, knowing the background to the movie being as how the movie's, you know, almost three years old since shooting, it doesn't help matters. And I mean, it looks cool. Don't get me wrong. There's some creepy stuffs going on. It looks really interesting. It gives me a lot of, you know, the scientific aspect of like American Horror Story vibe from like season two, which I liked. But like at the end of the day, the parts of American Horror Story that I've always loved has been the ghosts, the ghouls, and the apocalypse. Yeah, but that's because it's a horror show of all anything else, while also doing other things. This 
we don't know what it is above the other. We don't know if it's a superhero <laughs> happens to just be kind of a horror movie or if it's a horror movie set in a superhero universe. Like, we won't know it until we watch it and then we can, like, judge it on those terms. But oh, sure, it, like, yeah. All I'm looking for is, like, do you have the aesthetic? Do you have the style? Do you have the techniques? Like, am I feeling the build and the tension of a scare coming? Is that scare executed well? Is it not just some cheap noise and scare tactic? Do you actually use atmosphere and like a camera and editing and music to get me to a certain point legitimately scare me and then right after that happens i go oh yeah i'm in a superhero movie and then the rules change for me all of a sudden i'm not expecting what i was before now new rules have happened these people have superpowers they have the superpowers to fight a ghost or to fight a ghoul or to fight a monster now now things are different and i'm i'm excited so i want the blend of one to intercut with the other, to not necessarily subvert expectations, but for me to kind of to, to keep me on my toes as a like watcher. Yeah, and I I think the trailer does a good job of trying to find that balance on that right now. I'm just like, I don't know. I think the trailer was more horror than it was superpower. I think at the end I saw a lot of people with superpowers. At least in the new one, I don't remember the old one, but I mostly it's the movie that I'm the old one. About. Reminded me a lot more of a horror movie, but they weren't really showing a lot of the superpowers because I would imagine the effects weren't complete or something like there. I, I remember the key scene from the from the first one was like the the faces pulling out of the wall and like jump scaring you a little bit. And I was like, that's that's what I want to see. I want to see people who don't know how to control their powers so they can't rely on them to protect themselves and they're getting the shit scared out of them. I, I still think we're going to see that. I feel like that's I, 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 I hope, I, It could be I a bad movie. Do. I hope we do. I just, like, the problem is this trailer doesn't give that mentality to me. It gives me the mentality that they have more control over their powers than we than I'd like. Dude. I mean, I don't... I don't necessarily get... And I don't know if I get that from the trailers so much as, like... I, I, I mean, I, the whole point that they're there is that because they have problems and those problems are probably manifested visually and metaphorically through their powers. And yeah, probably the end of the movie is not just surviving, but them realizing what their powers are and how to harness them and, ch and like, use them. But, like, that's the same thing in horror movies, too. Like, that's the same thing. What's that's exactly what Split is. Her power is empathy. Her power is that she's been through experiences like this and is smarter because of it she can help the other girls get out of their situation so if you want you can say her superpower is empathy and she got it from her experiences like you can say the same thing here it's just actually manifested as superpowers so you have to ask yourself are they being lazy about that and just using superpowers to get past an idea or are they actually using the superpowers to to orchestrate the metaphor in the idea that they would normally do in a horror movie and that's I'm hoping that it's the latter and not the prior. That's that's the thing. It just right now from what I'm seeing on the trailer, I feel like it's the prior, not the latter. Uh, it, I don't know. There's so much that's happened with this movie. So many, so many shot like different shoots and different stories have come out of it. Like different um, entire plot changes. Like who knows if these trailers are showing any anything after the movie. Yes, and that's that's just what worries me the most. I again, I I really can't judge this movie until I like actually sit down and watch it. So that's like the biggest thing. I think the whole release is going to be pretty interesting. Uh, so yeah, I heard Scott Derrickson got fired from Marvel. He well, got fired I, from that Marvel movie. He didn't get fired. 
They mutually laughed each other. It was a breakup. It was a breakup. It was a divorce. So I th- there's a couple of stories <clears throat> going out about it. Um, I've heard that A, he wanted it to be scarier than Marvel wanted it, and he used to be a horror movie director, and I understand that, and he just left because of creative differences. He also previously had tweeted that um, Marvel release dates, Marvel set release dates are the enemy of art. So it may be that he was trying to develop the story as best as he could in the way he wanted to, and he needed time, and Marvel wasn't giving it to him, so he left. Uh, it's. I think it's not a good sign. Oh, I don't think it's a good sign. I think, like, I think they're both saying it was a mutual split, and you got to just trust it at that at, for right now until we get more information. But I think that uh, supposedly, according to Marvel, it's not changing any of their plans. So, and the movie is in production right now. So. Yeah, I, I think the problem is him trying to make a movie and getting it in by a date because we all know that there are going to be characters in this movie that are going to be in the in the uh, Wanda Wanda Vision show, and they push that date up. They push that date up by a whole year. So my yeah. guess is they pushed that up, and then they looked at him and said, "Get this out by this date." And he was like, "But I I need more time. I need to get this idea down." And they're like, "You need to or do this way instead of like." huffing and puffing and leaving he was just like i think we just can't figure this out and left but that it's the thing is is he's not a james gunn he's not a russo he's he's not someone whose identity and talent is so specific to why the product is amazing now he's not a what he's not taika watiti he, he made a competent film which if you watch his other films you can see what he adds to it as a personal director but you have to really pay attention to it outside of that he just gave them an interesting film. And the most interesting part that people like about it, that whole vision that he has in the middle, was a lot of people had a say in that, including Dan Harmon. So, like, that, that it wasn't just him. His execution of it is important, but, like, a lot of people had their hands in that moment. But It's the whole film, I thought, he added things to it that only a horror movie director could, and I was interested to see if he could add more the second time around. But I, I don't think... He, you could make a Doctor Strange movie without him, for sure. Like, no doubt. So why he felt that he couldn't do something creative over there is so interesting to me because most people couldn't see what he did creatively in the first movie in the first place. Yeah. So I'm guessing we look at it as a bad thing. I think it might end up being a good thing because I think Disney will probably hire someone who will have a vision that will also follow what they're hoping for. Um, but this is also what the, the second time a director in the last like three years has had a disagreement with how Disney's cho- chosen to run things and has left or gotten fired. I, I don't know the last few years. Um, there Gun, has been a lot Gun, in Gun's the big one. That's a big one. Uh, Ava DuVernay is a good one. Is a big one. Edgar Wright was a big one. Uh, Kenneth Branagh was a big one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was. There's been a lot through time that have decided not to stay. Whedon is a big one. He he hit his uh, he hit his glass ceiling at some point. And was like I can't do it anymore. And he had created differences in Age of Ultron for sure. Uh, 
so yeah, it's just when it, it it's one thing when the talented people are going. It's another thing when like the gun for hire directors are like, okay, you guys are really making it hard for me to find a voice in this thing that I'm totally willing to make for you, and it goes, and that's when you're kind of like. Oh, Yeah, my thought process is... It's weird, because I think maybe he, he thinks too highly of himself at the same time, because I think we don't hear the likes of Taika Waititi or Ryan Coogler really complaining about these about any of this. Yeah, but um, that's the point. He doesn't have their talent. No, I understand that. They just kind of like let Taika and Ryan kind of do their thing, because you can't imagine a Black Panther or a Thor movie without those two. Even with the same thing with Gunn and the Russo brothers. You just can't see those movies made without that voice and that thing. So they're probably given a lot of freedom to kind of do whatever the hell they want. While our Scott Erickson's, our Peyton Reed's, uh, you know, our, Joe, our John Watts are kind of directed a lot more. You know what I mean? Well, I think John Watts actually has... I, I, I think John Watts is pretty good. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, think, I, I think he I'm, is I'm the not kind the, of guy... Who no, I'm saying he's a standout. He's an exception to the rule more than the others. I... I I like John Watts, um, and I've always wanted to like go on a monologue about him, so I won't. But I will say, when it comes to Peyton Reed, yes, he knows his place, and he makes uh, ca- capable and palatable movies. Uh, I happen to think Ant Man and the Wasp is a good time, but also like not necessarily a good story. So uh, he may he may have good fun sets that people have a good time on, but like halfway through, I bet people are like, "What are we making again?" All right, <coughs> that would be my guess. But when it comes to when it comes to this guy and, and this thing, I, and his response, I don't know if, if he's arrogant or if he's... I don't feel like he's that. I don't, I'm not getting a um, DB and Weiss kind of vibe from him. I'm not... No. Like, those guys, like, they've got their heads up their asses. But th- yeah. this guy just sounds like he... I think he was trying to do something um, as best he could and knows that he can't do it um, on the schedule that they want, the way that they want him to do it. And I, I just think it has to do with the story he wants to tell and maybe not necessarily the character. Um, and he just doesn't want to put himself through that stress a second time around. Because if he was doing this the first time, and he yeah. was like, I just have creative differences with Marvel, I'd be like, dude, you made Sinister. Get over yourself. But no, he's made a successful movie. He had this slot again. They had faith in him. And he's like, look, guys, I've been through this merry-go-round before. If you're not going to listen to me this time, then... I'm going to go. Like, it just seems like he made that kind of stance more than anything else. But that's what makes me worried about Marvel. It's not so much that Marvel. Yeah, I mean, I would be much more worried if someone like Chloe Zhao left suddenly. uh, Yeah. Who's who's directing Eternals, and she's she's hired because they liked her work either in Songs My Brothers Taught Me or The Writer, and not because she... uh, and not because she, uh, and and not because she has differences with them. I'd be more concerned if like one of their like big known indie directors left. Let's go with that. Yeah, I always find every Marvel movie from a director standpoint to be really interesting because they are doing this whole Marvel product where everything has to look and sound the same. But every director does their best to put their stamp on something. You can see it if you like look hard enough and listen to their interviews and see where they tried to do it. And you can see where, like, in some cases, Marvel sticks their hand in and it kind of, like, ruins things a bit. I feel like that's the case for Captain Marvel in how the yeah. actors work, how the 
normal like ordinary scenes work just based off of what the directors had done and this, and the idea that marvel has said before that to a director that if you don't know action we'll do the action for you you just do everything else and yeah. i think that that kind of when you think of a movie broken up on those parts it uh it's never going to be as effective than if you have one whole vision that's shared by both the producers and them if you're never on the same page of what's going on because you're not communicating communicating as well as having a disagreement it, then it's just never gonna feel as organic as something else yeah. and it's not like it's a bad movie it's just it doesn't feel as organic as the others and that's what you have to yeah. ask yourself did dr strange feel like an organic movie and i'm guessing the answer is probably not um oh, i'm asking you personally oh i thought it felt i don't know it felt like a movie i i didn't personally like it a lot even though a lot of other people did it just felt kind of dry but um you know what i'm like 99 percent sure is gonna do uh which well yeah i was was gonna so i think i nailed down one of the 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 the, um phase four cameos by the way oh Uh, i'm 90 percent sure that captain marvel is going to be in shang chi and the legend of the ten rings interesting because Dustin Daniel Cretton is directing that movie, and him and right. Brie Larson have a very close relationship. They do. They do. They work a lot. Yeah. Well, not, not, currently not, now. They don't just work a lot. Brie Larson's been in every one of his movies. <laughs> yeah, but he also, not everyone. And he also yes, doesn't have a lot of movies. She was in Short Term 12, Glass Castle, and Just Mercy. Yeah, but she wasn't in uh, I'm Not a Hipster. Sure, but that was his direct role debut. That's my point. She hasn't been in every single one of his movies. Okay. Okay. She's been that's in... My, that's my point. I think you should watch that movie because it, I think Inside Lewin Davis and I'm Not a Hipster have strange coincidences in similarities of plot. Like, almost like City on Fire uh, Reservoir Dogs kind of similar. Like, it's, it, it's eerily similar. Interesting. Um... But yeah, I, I'm. I get this feeling like it's gonna be one that people wouldn't expect to see, though, with uh, Shang Chi and uh, Captain Marvel showing up in Shang Chi. But yeah, I think that, it's more kung fu. Yeah, but that would that's what I think would make it so much more fun, though. Is then suddenly you're like, oh my god, this is a real thing. Chris, what do you think? If New Mutants is good, Disney does not have a leg to stand on. Wait, what? If Scott Derrickson wanted... If Scott Derrickson wanted to do... Oh, my God! If Scott Derrickson wanted to do... I didn't want you to go... I didn't want you to move on. I want you to talk about New Mutants more. What did you mean by that? If New Mutants... If that's a straight horror movie, and that ends up being good and somewhat of a success, then... Marvel can't say we we parted ways with Scott Derrickson because we didn't want to do horror. I don't think that's the reason. I don't think that's the reason why they parted ways. I'm yeah. sick and I'm not thinking straight. Okay. No, no, no. You see, Chris, you have a good. You have a good point. I, well, it's not so much that I would say that they don't want that Disney does not want to be a part of horror. It's, does do they want the M, Do they want superhero movies? and the MCU to have that much horror in it. Do they want to put that in the MCU as opposed to making like a Fox horror movie where they don't, where they're not necessarily connecting it to Iron Man and stuff. 
that that would be the but again i don't think it has to do with that either that's just one of the things going around but i do think you make a good point like they it would be hypocritical if they said one and produced the other technically yeah i would agree um what else you well, you wanted to move on to Scott Derrickson. I, I, yeah, I wasn't understanding what you were saying. Is it, was that just the uh, whole I was, point? I was, I was just like joking at that point. Gotcha. Um, I was guessing what Zach was getting to at first, and then I was just joking after that. Okay, so I would say next up, uh, um, they're announcing the Oscars on Monday morning. Oh. So, do you guys have any – I'm going to ask you, is there anything that you guys think and hope? And I won't, like – there's a, when I say hope, you can go with God, I wish, uh, whatever it could be, and I'm not going to ride your ass. But, like, do you have anything that you could kind of, like, in the back of your mind would be pretty cool if it got it? Uh, oh, got an Oscar or just, like, got nominated? Because or... the noms are coming out Monday. I mean, it's, like, the biggest long shot in the world because I don't think it'll ever happen. But I would love for RDJ to get nominated. But never going to happen. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. Uh, I, would um, love, I would love for the Academy to just, like, say, screw Disney not doing anything, screw all this, this man fucking deserves a nom. I mean, we all know who's probably... I mean, who do you think is going to win? Oh, it's probably going to be Jared Leto. Uh, no, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. Wow. Wow, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut Whew. that so that. All right, that almost you really do bad. not have the means. Uh, <laughs> I do not. I don't have the means of the town. Um, well, Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> it'll probably be Joaquin. I'm assuming that he'll probably go up against Leo um, and Adam Driver for sure, and that leaves two other slots. So, do I think RDJ will get one? Probably not. Probably not. I think there. I think two other ones are going to show up that I didn't even think about. Oh, maybe oh, maybe Ed Chen will get one. I don't think any. I don't think any performances are going to go to Parasite. I think it's going to be script, director, and uh, pitcher. And and foreign for sure, foreign. But like, if it gets a pitcher, nom, that's a good possibility. But it director's really good, and script is almost a guarantee. Um, I think other actors, maybe, um, Brad Pitt for, uh, for Once Upon a Time, he, was he in the lead technically? Or... No, he's, he, he won supporting a Golden, he'll probably be supporting at Oscars. Okay, um, who else was, uh, in lead actors at, uh, the, at the, uh, Golden Globes? Karen Edgerton won for... Ew, no, no. His... What? What? Ew. For what? Rocket Man. Rocket oh, Man. Right. I, I forgot really, that came out that year. That came I out last really, year. Uh, honestly, ill, but like, sure, it, ill, but I could see it. Um, I don't know. Is there any other like good things? Maybe. Uh, I don't know who's the lead, and they oh, may oh, go oh, both. Oh, you know what? You know what? Uh, oh wait, no, he wasn't lead. He's a supporting. Never mind. I was gonna say, uh, Tom Hanks for uh. Beautiful day in the neighborhood, but then I remember he's a supporting actor. Yeah. He will get supporting. I don't know whether Bale or Damon will get lead for either one for Ford Ford VRE, but I could see Bale getting Oh started. man, I gotta start watching these Oscar movies, man. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, 
I think for actors, that's all I can think of. Uh, actresses. Well, uh, are... maybe one of the leads from 1917, maybe. Uh, yeah, people people have been talking about the main lead, the kid, really well. So maybe, but um, we'll see. It's an interesting one. I could uh, see. Yeah. Support. I kind of think I have supporting nailed down as to who it's going to be. I think it's going to be Brad Pitt, Tom Hanks, um, Pesci for Irishman for sure. What? Pesci for Irishman. Yeah, Pesci. Oh, Al Pacino will probably get a best uh, lead. Yeah, I could see them both getting one for sure. It's um, a good possibility. Uh, Pacino and uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, but Joe, Joe Pesci for sure. Um, I think uh, there's uh, Tom Hanks. I think uh, what else did I see that was like super good this year? Um, oh, um, after that. who is a good supporting actor in Joker? Is there any good supporting actors from Joker? No. I mean, no. maybe De Niro, but I doubt it. Uh, no, De Niro might get a lead. De Niro might get a lead, too. I could see that. No, not motion capture, sorry, my bad. Um, I think I know what's going to win Best Animated Picture this year. It's Frozen 2. No, it's going to be... Fucking Toy Story 4, dude. I have You know what? It could be. Uh, it could be, it could be Missing Link. Missing Link was good, too. Missing Link, I think, has a good chance. Missing Link. I hate everything right now. Uh, Did you just remember that Toy Story 4 came out this year? Yeah. Yeah. Toy Story 4. Toy Story you... 4. <laughs> that was a good movie. Yeah, it is a good movie. He just forgot. <laughs> I never saw it. Um, uh, it's good. It's good. I took, dude. I thought the same thing. I'm like four. Who cares? Three was a good ending, and then I saw it, and I was like, "Damn it, Toy Story! You made another good one." I honestly, that, by the end of it, I was like, "That was." I good. honestly, God thought the ending was better than the third one. Uh, I think the ending of the third one is like it's memorable. It's like it's it's memorable. It'll go down in people's minds forever. It's. I'm sorry, it has the weight of two other movies and all those characters and people honest to God thought they were going to... It wasn't that, that people thought they were going to die, it's that the characters themselves knew it and were fine with it. That is... that's it, It's as powerful as the beginning of Up. And people don't remember Up that much. They remember that beginning. People will remember the ending of the third one forever. But that that's the thing. You and I and Chris took forever to see the fourth one. Now, we're all sitting here saying it was really good, but like... I guarantee you that that ending is not as powerful as the last one. It's more hopeful for sure, but it's not well, as powerful. It's more hopeful, but it's also like Woody accepting. Ah, his... he hasn't seen it. Sorry, Chris. Chris, it's been months. You 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 you've lost your window to say I haven't I, seen. I, it. No, I saw I saw it months afterwards, and I was luckily had not been spoiled, and and I really liked it. And Chris, I think you'll like it too. It's a good Chris. movie. I'm just gonna say, spoiler. Too bad, too sad. I'm gonna talk about this ending because okay. you got, you got plenty of time opportunities to do. Alex, oh, message me when he's done. I'm not gonna talk about specifics, but I'm gonna talk about general theme, and you're gonna just accept it. Um. Oh, dude, that's rude, man. Hey, man, it's been it came out in June last year. It, dude, uh, that's and, not the point. The point is, is that even if I was talking about singing in the rain, I wouldn't want to spoil the ending for the first person to ever see it. Sure. Anyway. anyway. 
he's gone. If he is gone, or if he's not listening to us, I'll message to him when you're done. And if he's gone, and you want to talk about it, I guess now we can. Chris, are you gone? I think he's gone. I think he's gone. Okay. Anyways, the ending of that movie was a very, in my opinion, a very strong ending. I loved that Woody kind of accepted his role at the end of that movie and accepted that it isn't about having one child and making that child happy. It's about the general happiness of everybody. And, and Okay. Not going to lie. I muted the speakers. So there might be a block of silence in the recording. I don't so know just like, that's how it works. A huge section of silence instead of what we were saying? Yeah. Man, then people won't hear about how my embarrassing poops have been? Oh, gosh. You guys are missing out. These poops, they've been just embarrassing. 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 <laughs> um, okay, no, I can't I mean, laugh because I'm so uh, weak. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so like I got, I get what you're saying, Zach. I think we can go. I think we could go without like doing any more. But like, I get what you're saying, Zach. I do. But like, uh, as as nice as that is, as like as hopeful as that is, as like empowering as that is for a character that we've watched for so long, like for Woody to feel that, that's I I love that. But in terms of like, I I I gotta say, like, there's a reason that like people love the Beatles, and it's because it's just so damn good and it's so damn memorable i just have to give it to that third one man that it's like it's it's dark it's depressing it's powerful it's like thematic it has the weight of two other movies like it hits you in the gut doesn't matter it's the same thing with the snap in infinity war we all knew they were coming back it didn't matter we all knew han solo was going to be fine it didn't matter it's the gut punch and if if like you you know you're going to survive a gut punch but it's still a gut punch yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I mean, Alex, you and I can confirm because we have the best Infinity War story ever because of what Matt was doing. But, but, but anyway, Oscars. Uh, so yeah, I mean, um, uh, Chris, do you have any yeah. guesses? I, and I would say for me, my guess for supporting actresses and lead actresses, I, I see Scarlett Johansson probably getting a nomination for lead actress, but I think it's... it's for Marriage Story, yeah. For Marriage um, Story. I think... Um, and then Laura Dern's probably going to get nominated. Laura because Dern she's probably will get something. Was there any other notable lead female actors, actresses this year? C.S. Ronan for Little Women. Um, Aquafina for The Farewell. Yeah, um, I didn't. You know, as as weird as it is, I didn't see too many uh, movies with good leads that I felt very great about. Um, oh, uh, uh, A Star Is Born was that nominated last year or this year? Last year, you in fact you were all about Gaga winning last year. I was, wasn't I? Yes, and so you're still Gaga for Gaga. Is she? Did she end up winning that? I don't remember. No, she won song. They gave her song. Oh, well, she deserved it, so it didn't matter. Olivia Coleman won, and she should have. Yeah. The favorite is awesome. Uh, but anyway, like, uh, and Deacons. Will pro- I, my guess, Deacons is probably going to get another award for 1917. Um, yeah, I think 1917 is probably going to get a bunch of awards, too. Um, uh, yeah, that I can confirm after seeing it a few hours ago. I'll find out tomorrow. Deacons so. has done it again. Deacons has done it again. 
Um, um, yeah. George Joker McKay. Joker is probably going to win a bunch of awards. Two Popes is probably going to win a bunch George of awards. Adam, Adam uh, Jojo Rabbit will probably get a screenplay award. I could see that. Yeah. Uh, Knives Out will probably get a screenplay award. Dying. Uh, oh, yeah, you know the girl, the girl from Knives Out. She could totally get nominated. Speaking of Knives Out, I have not seen Knives Out. I will see if I can see it tomorrow. You know, uh, Brian get... Johnson for best director. Yeah. yeah. At least the nomination. No. Well, okay, then fine. The only reason I say that, and I'm not saying that you should know this, it's because this year is a stacked director year. Like he's he's Sam up against Sam Mendes for 1917. Uh, Sam Mendes probably is a good chance for a win. I think you could uh, put some money for sure. Definitely Scorsese. Definitely um, Noah Baumbach, and possibly Greta Gerwig. Um, and then uh, Todd Phillips, Bong, Bong Joon Ho, Todd Phillips, Martin Scorsese. Tom Bongo. I'm not uh, sure about Todd Phillips. What? I'm not I would so hope sure that Todd. Tom... He may. What? He may. I mean, Joker will probably get a Best Picture as well as Best Actor. May uh, more than anything, and score has a very good well, chance. Well, well Todd Phillips will get a nomination. I don't think he'll win, but I think he'll get a nomination. I don't want him to get a nomination. I feel like there's. I feel like Greta Gerwig is going to get pooped out of a slot because of that, or maybe Bong Joon Ho, and like those. Those two really deserve. Is in there, and I would love if Brian Johnson got in there, but I don't think this is the movie for that. I do think this is his best movie, but I don't think we're there yet. He's got he's so oh, young, Tarantino. He much time ahead of him. Oh, Tarantino, oh. oh, and Tarantino, yeah, there you go. See, stacked year, man, for directors. Um, okay, uh, the best original screenplay, give the man something. You know, you know, what's uh, a da- you know, it's a dangerous thing here, and I and I heard about that. I was reading this article, and this actually has to do with the Oscars. Is that people were like the only way that Parasite would ever get a true good Academy year is if it got remade as an American movie? And I'm like, please no, no, it no, no. People said that, that would be. The- do people not remember what happened to Old Boy? Uh, no. Well, first it was of all, great well, when they remade all, it. Wait, wait, wait. First of all, Spike Lee's Old Boy is not terrible, but it is also not Old Boy, and it shouldn't have been remade. And second of all. Yes, it's already being remade as a TV show on HBO by Adam McKay. Parasite is? It's already it's already been done. It's that's, already news. That's that's how fast that happened, dude. That's so fucking stupid. I'm sorry, pardon my French, but I agree with you very swear, but I agree. Like but that's how fast it happened. Bong like, Johnson Ho should get like a bunch of wins for that, honest to God. Bong Jong Ho. I think that I, I think Parasite is going to be the movie that everyone looks back and is like, yeah, that was the right one. Like Roma? I like Roma. Yeah. Roma was really good. Roma was um, good. I could also see them justifying Lion King as being an animated movie this year, as weird as it is. Uh, 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 once already. Oh, shoot. I mean, if, once already. There's no reason why it couldn't happen again. I mean, if, if it did, it would probably win. Would be my guess just because of the technical achievement of it, but it shouldn't. And the uh, game is rigged. Then the, well, the game has always been rigged, but sometimes the whole point of the Oscars is that no, still, that category know, specifically is rigged. Oh yeah, well, how many I mean, Disney films are in it? Three. It'll probably be three. It'll be probably Frozen Two, Lion King, and Toy Story Four. <laughs> well, then I'm pushing for M- Missing Link, and if it wins or doesn't, there you go. It's really just one competition versus the other. I'm pushing High Dragon Three. 
Oh, yeah. that's a possibility too. I really like that. That'll probably be up. Yeah. Um, it'll be up, but it will like... not win because Disney owns everything and it's a monopoly and it's very depressing. Also, I just don't think I don't think it's the best. Mm -hmm. I, I honestly think it, like the achievement of missing Link and Laika, they deserve something. I agree. Um, the third film in a row that's honestly badass and like they deserve something. And like Toy Story support is good. Lion King is that it exists. It's an achievement. Um, and uh, Frozen Two came in and made money and left. No one said it was a terrible movie, but no one like no one even says that Frozen is an amazing movie. No one's going to say that about this, but I do oh. think you can say The Lion King could win for its technical stuff. Laika should win because it has a good movie on its hands with a lot of passion, and it's not Disney, and it's the one, it's the David against the Goliath for sure. Um, so, so hear me out here, Alex. So, best original song this year. What is the chances that Cats actually gets a nomination? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not part of Cats. Like, <laughs> I haven't heard the song, to be honest. Academy Award-winning Cats. Well, I mean, Norbert won an Academy Award. What are you talking about here? Like, I mean... Uh, I mean so did the boss, maybe. <laughs> no, but jokes aside, though, like, everybody's always told me that, like, uh, at least as far as the movie Cats is concerned, is that despite how weird it looks and how bad the movie is, the music is great. Absolutely yeah, but, great. But the music is an original song by Taylor Swift and uh, the original writer of the music, who's now like 70s, 80-something, he's just not on his prime anymore the way it was when he wrote the musical. So, like, I haven't heard the song, and I don't know whether the Academy is going to look at it and really think it's up to stuff with the other ones. Also, I don't know what, like, how many songs came out with movies this year, but what, um, I don't, and I don't remember which one won at the Golden Globes, but it Golden was not Globes Cats. Golden Rocket Man. Um, I'm gonna oh, love me and by like, Elton John burning tapping. Yeah, yeah, uh, the yeah, other nominations yeah, was yeah. Frozen. Elton John is good. Was a Frozen Two song, uh, a Lion King song, and a song from Harriet, and then Cats. Uh, I my guess is that the Lion King one will get there. Cats will get there, um, just because there are very big names behind those songs. Yeah, um, and Elton John as well will be in there. I really, really liked. Rocket Man, and I can tell you right now, I couldn't tell you which one of the songs was the new one he wrote for that movie compared to everything else because they all are so good. And it's not just because I and I was raised on Elton John, so I know a lot of those songs, and then there were ones that I didn't, so I couldn't tell you which ones came when. They were all just good. Just like I, I love that Rocket Man got love. I don't really put much stake in the Golden Globes, but I love that after that happened, people were like, maybe I should watch Rocket Man. And I was talking to a couple of people about it. And they're like, it's really good. I'm like, better than Bohemian? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Which is why I hope Edgerton would get a lead actor now, but he's not. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. This year will be interesting. There's a lot of cool stuff that could happen. Um, Endgame wins best visual effects. Not going to happen. <laughs> what uh, else came out this year? Yeah. What, like, uh, I mean, Star Wars. There's no way Rise of Skywalker wins. No way. Absolutely than... no way. No, I do think, no, I do no. It stands, I do think it stands an opportunity to be dominated. So I'm just trying to think of what, who the other nominees would be. So uh, Endgame, that, maybe Spider-Man, Lion King. No. Yeah. I mean, well, Lion King might be sure he has an anime movie, so it wouldn't I'm be able putting, to I'm putting the Lion King in a wild card spot 
whichever whichever category it ends up being nominated for, it's gonna win. Whether that be visual effects or, or animated. I hope it gets like the best picture nomination and you're like, crap, I put all my I put all my eggs in one bag. <laughs> Vegas, I need a um, refund. Um, oh no. <laughs> I think <laughs> Aladdin could get nominated. Uh well, no. Special effects, probably not. No. Uh, you know, I, but I don't think that's a bad. I don't think that's a bad uh, thing to put up there. It did have interesting uh, effects. Yeah, uh, Captain Marvel, Playmobil, Marvel, uh, Playmobil movie. Shaw. No, oh, not Hobbs and Shaw. Jumanji. Jumanji. No, not Hobbs and no, Shaw. No, no. Maleficent. It. It maybe. Detective Pikachu. There you go. AP. That's a good possibility, yeah. Uh, Alita, I think, came out for this year. Ooh, that's a good one, too. Oh, Godzilla. yeah, Alita. No, Alita came out last year, didn't it? Yeah, well, it came out last year, but it came out, I think, in time for this year. No, I mean 2018. I'm sorry. No, it came out 2019, my dude. What the hell? Oh, Where okay. am I? Uh, Who am I? Godzilla. Put on Mars with me. King of the Monsters. David Bowie. Okay, yeah, that could actually could uh, get a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Shazam, Dumbo, John Wick 3. No, no, not, not John Wick 3. Us? No, I think, and oh. I think, I think we're scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Oh. You're at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. All right, we're, we're on the bottom of the barrel. Uh, no, but uh, I think John Wick 3 is a possibility. Godzilla, Alita. No, not John Wick 3. Uh, Detective Pikachu, Chapter 2. Um... Star Wars, Joker. There is no way Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker gets best visual effects. Why? It looked gorgeous. Or gets nominated. What? Get okay. It'll get nominated, but it's not winning. No, I don't think it'll win either. It looks great, though. It like, does look great. Endgame. Yeah, I think it looks no, better than the... Endgame. Honestly, I mean. Uh, I think they both look. I think they're both equal. I would have to see them both like back to back and really focus on the visual effects. Because honestly, I think there's actually more moments of visual effects in Star Wars than there are in Endgame. But like, which one? I guess they, uh, judging by last year with First Man and the choice that they made, it sounds like they're still in the mindset of we're going to see the ones that best affect the story and best affect the storytelling. So maybe they'll look at that and go Skywalker, but they also may look at that and go Endgame. They also may look at that and go Shazam. So I it, it, that that would so that's a wild card. Could they could do that and go Detective Pikachu? I mean, you can't have that movie without the visual effects, straight up. And I, honestly, I think Pikachu looks beautiful. Pikachu, oh, looks quick sidetrack. Which one of you recommended who killed Captain Alex for the wheel? Uh, that was you, Alex. Yeah. So I discovered Corridor Crew, right? They do behind they do the uh, uh visual uh, visual effects artists react to bad and great CGI. Guess which movie came up on their playlist? No. I want How could you recommend such a movie like that? Absolutely not. Because Chris, I'm telling you, dude, because don't look at that movie negatively. The whole point is to look at that movie from a positive perspective and say these people have nothing, and yet they make something that is infectious. 
And that's the thing. Like I started watching, like you think you're going to be like, oh, I'm better than this. By the end of it, you're like, no, I love it. And you're like, don't care. You end up loving it. Hey. That's the thing. Uh, I do want to get time. I do. I do want to get, I do want to get into more Bollywood craziness. Um. Oh, it's great. It's great. I love them. I love them. They're great. Everything's also, musical. It's great. Army of Terminators has turned into a ball. Same <laughs> happened with me with Master of Disguise. I listened to a podcast, and they like the 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 next episode that they had up was uh, the prequel where they say what you're going to watch and all this stuff, and they hype it up. And he's like, "We just watched Faithful Findings," and he names like three other movies. He's like, "All of them were preparation for this." master of disguise and i was like oh my god like these guys are professionals at this we do this for fun they're professional and so like i'm putting it off because i want us to do it so like i was i and i want to not know so that you watch it and be like what is this but then like go through the journey of being like this looks stupid and then by the end being like you know what i freaking like it no no no. they explained that too they knew the background of that movie they explained Every, like yeah. they had nothing and they tried to make something. It doesn't look great in the slightest, but the fact that they tried is awesome. Anyone can make movies and no nobody can't. You just anyone can make it, man. Nothing that that's the whole point. Like we're watching their movies in Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They made it. They made it, dude. They are movie stars. Uh, uh, uh yeah, so to go back to best visual effects, I think like I think cats. like Honest to God, no. <laughs> I honestly God think Detective Pikachu has a real shot of winning it, though. If like, uh, I think they have a real shot of getting nominated for sure. Now that you mentioned it, uh, and, and I'm gonna wait to see what the nominees are before I, any, I make any guess. And a big reason is because of First Man. First Man has made this like category a wild card for sure. Yeah. Uh, no, but Detective Pikachu, I think, would be a lot of fun. It would be a really interesting thing. It would give it. It would give. A lot of support to I think a movie that like was all right. It wasn't great, but it was all right, and it was a lot of fun. Just a lot I of mean, fun. It's not even just the idea that they make the animals look cute, which they do. That's really the only job of it. It's that a they do a really good job of it, and b um, they do a lot with color. And I really I, I think it's pretty effective in, in how they just sort of set the mood right away um, through their yeah. setting. So, like, I do think there are reasons why that gets it other than just Pikachu is really cuddly and all the other animals look cute. But, um, I, also I don't know. They I really that. loved that with that movie, at least, is that they really did the, like, neo-noir a lot with it. And they played a lot of, they had a lot of fun with the noir aspect of that movie. Yeah. And. It was a Pikachu. That's, it. That's the other thing. Um, I recently listened to the Motherless Brooklyn soundtrack and, dude, that, that deserves a nomination for sure. I hope it gets one. First Detective Jack. Yeah. Visual effects is going to be an interesting one. (laughs) You know know what should win best visual effects, but it won't because... No. (laughs) Stop meme-lording, you boomer. (laughs) I'm a boomer. Stop being a boomer, Chris. You know what should actually win best visual effects, but it won't go until next year. Stop it. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking hang up on you and we're not gonna do this. It's really not even funny. It is funny like, to me. It's funny to no, me. No, it's, it's really <laughs> funny. 
<sighs> you know, you know what I want to get nominated for best visual effects next year? What? Sonic. What? Yes, yes, for, yes, for, yes, for yes, simply, yes. For simply the fact that they that the movie filmmakers literally went back and redesigned it after it got such bad backlash. It's still gonna get a, it's still gonna be a bad movie. Well, oh, wouldn't yeah. this be wouldn't this be interesting if they went back and they fixed Sonic, but then like it turns out the fixing him was actually not that hard, and they didn't need that much time, and then they went back and they like souped up everything else, and then people go see Sonic and it's like badass and the action's like crazy good and the settings are like crazy detailed and it's super fun looking and like it's the Mad Max of next year and everyone's like you know what yeah alright a good, a good video game movie like yeah it turns out to be the best video game movie ever and it's like because they took more time on their movie it's not gonna happen but no I'm just joking what? it's not like the movie what are you talking about watch you be right watch you're gonna be right but but honest to God, I want I want Sonic to get nominated and not possibly even win for next year just because they went back and fixed it. I don't think that'll happen because then that's the Academy saying, you know what? Whenever the fans bitch about something, just, you know, listen to them and do it. Then you'll get all the Rise of Skywalkers you want. <laughs> I think Sonic is an example of when it works, when Rise of Skywalker is a pr- uh, proof of concept when it doesn't work. I never really looked at the two Sonics. I couldn't really tell the difference. I mean, I haven't looked. I really pay attention. They're side-by-sides. It looks like night and day. I don't know. I like Ben Schwartz. Like, legit, it does look night and day. It really does. (laughs) Okay. I I trust you guys. I trust you guys. It really looks so much better. (laughs) I just like Ben Schwartz, and I'm going to see it or support it for him. Like uh, also, I'm, I'm a- James Marsden, a new agent. Hashtag new agent for J- James Marsden. Hey, as long as James Martin isn't the Baxter, like he's been in like four movies, like the guy who gets left by the lead girl so she can go be with the lead guy. It happens all the time. It happened all of X-Men. So let's be honest. The only thing that matters at the end of the day is do you know the way? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. So if you get in Knuckles, isn't in that freaking movie? Uh, it's a dead uh, meme, but no, it's I'll not a dead meme. That's it is. It is in fact a dead meme. No, do you know the way? <laughs> Cats. <laughs> it's literally. It's not the fact that you're saying it. It's not that how often you say it. There's a there's a tone in the way you say it that can only be added on by the fact that your entire body is trying to kill you right now. <laughs> it's defense against the disease and just when you say cats there's just like this air of death it comes up to <laughs> I just love how everybody's so traumatized after it I just watched Chris Tuckman's I, I, I rewatched I rewatched um I rewatched um Chris Duckman Chris Duckman's uh review of it and he's just like so like Dan Olsen of Folding Ideas, he said it best. It's just like, everybody who goes and sees this movie will have their own, like, 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 out of your, out of body moment, similar to, like, prophets of old glimpsing the true face of God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, I gotta, I'm saving that movie for a specific experience. I'm not gonna go see it in the theater. Uh, I'm gonna, I have a projector, and I'm gonna, like, Wait for the right night, 
and I'm really just gonna like hammer down on that movie. It's gonna be interesting. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna pierce and stab my soul that night. Uh, yeah. So so okay. oh, let's go to Star Wars. Well, actually, wait Star before Wars. we do that. Is there anything else you want to say about 1917? Oh, it's listen. It's okay. I was sick when I saw it. Sorry, Nate. I am still sick. Um, <laughs> um, I think Nate listens to this show. Um, he did. Nate did say he wanted to come on and rail on the on the the rest of Skywalker. I'm like, dude, we already did. It's fine. So. If you want, to, if you want to have people come back and like take a second to talk about what they want to talk about, I'm fine with that. Okay, all right. Well, it'll be like a new segment, new decade, new new show. Um, so it, like you are the one that controls it. If you want to have your friend on so he can talk about whatever, I have no like. I'm not going to be like, dude, we already talked about this. <laughs> yeah. So with 1917, I haven't seen. A um, Sam Mendes movie since Spectre. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I love Sam Mendes. I'm starting to love Sam Mendes because well, Skyfall looks of his. gorgeous. Skyfall is gorgeous. Um, and this movie is absolutely gorgeous. I think. Like, for what it does and the aesthetics that it goes for, it's beautiful, and the the whole one take thing is pulled off flawlessly. Hmm. Um, I didn't know George McKay could act. I had seen that one trailer of Ophelia, and thought, okay, he's just another guy. Then I saw him in this movie, I'm like, oh, 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 he can act. Oh, he can. Oh, he can act. Is he acting? <laughs> um, so, so that was nice. That was nice to see. Um, it's a really good, it's a really good war movie. Um, yeah, I guess that's really any any awards that, that um any awards that possibly gets nominated for it absolutely earns. I think. Um, yeah. So, what about award for best chickens in the background? Best dead chickens? Oh, uh, yeah, that's got that. Chickens in this movie? I can't see it then. I only want live chickens. That's just too much. I I, I don't know what to tell you then. Chris, why did you invite me on this podcast? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so my, <laughs> my next question would, uh, would be: how, What other Sam Mendes movies have you seen? I don't know all of them off the top of my head. Um, sure only most of them. Only the Bond ones. Really? Like so, I, oh my gosh. So you, I mean, I don't ex- I wouldn't have expected to see American Beauty. That was uh, his first big award one. We've nope. talked because Zach and I have talked about Road to Perdition, but you have never seen Jarhead. I have seen Jarhead. I don't think he's yeah. ever seen Road to Perdition I, either. I have seen Jarhead actually. He hasn't seen Perdition, but I think you would love it. But okay, good. So you—that's the one that I was like, he hasn't seen that. You had to have seen it. Yeah, I saw Jarhead. It was in this weird period of time. This is so embarrassing. So it was in this weird like phase of my life when I was really. 
when I was really into Call, I was really into Call of Duty, and I was looking for war movies to Good, watch. There's time other than now when you were really into Call of Duty. I am not into. I am not as into Call of Duty as I was oh. back in like 2009 to 2012. Um, Chris, I love you, but that explains a lot. Yeah, it does. I agree. Um, so then I came across. Uh, so that's how I came across the Hurt Locker. And Battle Los Angeles, which I which I don't like now. Um, not very good. No, I, I understand why you enjoy the military aspect of it, but everything else is bad. Yeah. Um, and then I came across Jarhead. And I was just like, this movie is so freaking boring. And the guy just doesn't do what he wants to do. He's about to pick this general off from God knows how far. And then the... Um, President David Palmer comes in and is like, no, don't shoot him. We're just going to blow up the base. And he's just like, well, shoot. Then they just start firing guns in the air, which is very unsafe. Um, otherwise, yeah. I think also he did piss his pants. That was pretty funny. Um, Rewatch that movie, dude. I never I didn't I don't remember hating it. I was just like, I think I was that in the wrong right. mindset to watch it. Also, you really need to see Road to Perdition. <laughs> I'm glad I went back to that movie again because I, I really loved Perdition when it came out and I completely forgot about it for years. I'm glad that I've, I've been going through a Hank's kind of retread lately. I've been watching a lot of his movies. <sighs> just has so many, but like Perdition was a good one to go back to because he's not good and he's not bad. He's just like this guy it's... who murder anyone and project his son. It's like, great. I love it. That Yeah, that aspect of him is cool. So And Sam Mendes is just, I think that was the, the moment where he was starting to really, uh, really like make his stuff like every frame beautiful. Jar everything from like Jarhead before then he was like back and forth. He could make beautiful stuff, but like uh, he wasn't. It wasn't the way he is now, where like elegance is also part of it. It seems like the last three movies he's made are just like elegant as well as um, functional. Yes. Road to Perdition, though, is a very pretty movie to look at. It's gorgeous. It's got a lot of good stuff with it. As a period piece, yeah, it's really good. It really is. It's one of my favorites, I think. Um, I I mean, I, I've seen quite a bit of Sam Mendes. Like, I've seen Revolutionary Road. I've seen Skyfall Spectre. Uh, I'm going to be seeing... do that. Uh, I am going to be seeing 1917 tomorrow, hopefully. Uh, I haven't, as weird as it is, I have not seen Jarhead, but I've seen a bunch of his other stuff, so it's like, whatever. Uh, I've seen American Beauty, which I like a lot. Um, yeah, it does. Um, I think you would like Road to Perdition. I don't think you're necessarily ready for Revolutionary Road yet, or American Beauty. Revolutionary Road's a, a whole nother thing. Uh, <laughs> I think they're both they're both just like they're they focus on the deterioration of families in suburbia. It's yeah. too real. Um, maybe Amer maybe you'll get like what American Beauty is going for, but I honest, I I just don't think you're ready for it yet. I think you would like Road to Perdition though. It's it's really good. Yeah, anyway. uh, Repetition's good. It's a good father son story. It's I think it's like comic, It's also yeah. Chris for for what it matters. It's a comic book movie. Uh, it's got Daniel. <laughs> it's got Daniel Craig in it. It's got Jude Law in it. It's got um, Stanley Tucci in it. Is Logan it's, Lemire the kid. Is Logan Lemire the kid? 
Uh, maybe not. Maybe he had. Maybe I don't think so. I think I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm gonna look up who it is right now. So I think I'm thinking that because I saw him in the trailer uh, for the Tyler Hoechlin, who is in Supergirl now, and he's actually Superman on that movie in that show. Oh, uh, is he? yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, he was in Seventh Heaven. He was on Teen Wolf. Uh, he's one of those actors. No, dude, he's great. dude. He's great in all these shows. Honest to God, oh. he, he is the best parts about these shows. I honest to God think Superman's the best part of the Arrowverse. Honestly, I, I like Legends Tomorrow a lot. It won't be <laughs> it won't be the really, Arrowverse for much longer. Legends was. is really really good. Don't get me wrong, but like on Supergirl, Superman's the best character. <laughs> I don't know. I also like Supergirl a lot. Well. I'm also just like not necessarily like like I like Melissa Benoist, but I think like I want to see her do like more serious things and less like I'm just well, happy. Could, she was in Whiplash. I, I didn't see her in Whiplash, so. Uh, yeah. she's she's good in Whiplash, although she's not really utilized well. She's just basically she's she's a romantic interest and then tossed away halfway through the movie in a pretty cruel way. I would actually say Band of Robbers. With Hannibal Barris on Netflix, I love that movie, and she is very good in it. She got it right before she did it right before she got Supergirl, and she's really good in it. Highly suggest Band of Robbers. It's a very good movie. Yeah. Uh, a, the other uh, notable uh, thing about Hoechlin uh, is, for those who like that kind of thing, and I love this kind of thing, is he's going to be playing Sephiroth in the new Final Fantasy VII remake. Sephiroth. Yeah. Sephiroth. Uh, Sephiroth is Sephiroth is the main villain, by the way, for for reference, Alex. Off, alone. <laughs> uh, so he, he's gonna be playing the main villain in that he which is very good it's a very iconic video game role so he's anything he's, else uh, <laughs> okay no that was it i'm done yeah i i think road to perdition has a really great cast <laughs> it, it really does yeah, we were just good. We we were just gushing on Sam Mendes, man. That's all we were doing. This is a uh, Sam Mendes. <gasps> what? <laughs> uh, something funny came up in uh, football. Oh, Hawkeye got delayed. Um. Oh, I'm not surprised. All right, can we talk about? Star Wars again. I'm sorry, everybody. Yeah. Take, take the reins because I haven't been following all of these things. The only one that I sent you was the only one that I found interesting. I but literally just stopped thought, thinking about Star Wars. So, Chris, I still think it's a conversation going on. Not me. Chris Terrio is trying his absolute best to defend this movie. Um, mixed response, really, um, as you can imagine. Uh, Nerdist um, <laughs> um, accumulated some of the answers that he gave back to certain questions. Um, so let's start with why did they bring Palpatine back? Uh, um, his quote. Um, okay, so there's Terrio's quote on that. When we discover Ray, she's literally. In the wreck of the old war, the previous war, that literally the landscape Jakku is scarred with evidence of the war that came before, blah, 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 blah. 
Wait, what did he say? Hold on, that's not a that's not a good quote. Jeez, let me start over. So, so one of okay, so here's what Nerdist said. One of the one of the one of the Rise of Skywalker's biggest surprises is the return of Emperor Palpatine, who seemingly died back in Return of the Jedi. How he survived that fateful fall all those years back, and where he's been since aren't explained in the new movie, probably in a book or a comic or something. I don't, I'm not going to read it. Um, to the frustration of many fans, so I bring it back in all. In an interview with IndieWire, Terio said that he and Abrams decided it would be weird if Palpatine wasn't in the movie in some way. What? Um, that's he goes he on. He goes on to say that they thought it was important to show that the original war never really ended and that this new conflict would be more interesting if, with the descendants of Anakin Skywalker and Chief Palpatine facing off to finally put an end to the saga's conflict. Wow. Which goes into the... Okay, first off, thoughts before I segue into the next question. Um, wow. I think he's crazy. I think he's legit insane. Him and Abrams! Wow. I do. I knew. I knew it was like structurally from the script level, but I never knew why they made their decisions. But for him to come across and say it'd be weird if Palpatine wasn't there in any way, that is it. That's that. I don't. What weirds me out is I don't know if that's a collective Star Wars fan idea. Like, if the whole point of this movie is that they're pandering to fan ideas, I don't know if that was a collective thought of fans. That they thought it was weird that he wasn't part of this. Or if that's just one fan's idea. Um, so that segues way into the next question. Why did they make Ray his granddaughter? Speaking of... Okay, Nerdist says, Speaking of that, one of the biggest revelations in The Rise of Skywalker is that Ray is actually the granddaughter of Palpatine. Which is a big thematic reason for his return. This is one of the most controversial elements of the movie and something that both Terio and Abrams have had to address a lot. In an interview with GQ, Terio gave the most complete and explicit reasoning behind the decision yet. When asked why they chose to change Rey's parentage after it was seemingly established in The Last Jedi, uh, she was a nobody, Terio said, quote, We weren't convinced that it had been cleared up because there's still this highly troubling vision that Rey had in episode seven which is the shot with her parents leaving the planet close quote he went on to explain that they thought it would be quote too easy close quote for ray to be a nobody because she had been quote longing for her parents for so many years close quote i disagree um, how is on. that <laughs> hold on hold on um that, that... it should <laughs> God. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. It goes on. So... Oof. Hold it, hold it, hold it. It should be noted that Ryan Johnson, director of The Last Jedi, had almost the exact opposite sentiment with, about what challenges Ray. Quote, the easiest thing for Ray and the audience to hear is, oh yeah, you're so-and-so's daughter. He told, close quote, he told Entertainment Weekly back in 2017. Requote, that would be a wish fulfillment and instantly hand her a place in, his hit, in this story on a silver platter. The hardest thing for her, the hardest thing for her to hear, the hardest thing for her is to hear she is not going to get that easy answer. Close quote. That was Ryan Johnson. Terrio continued in the GQ interview, quote, we think of Star Wars as a fairy tale, two twins, one is sent off to be a farmer and one is sent off to be a princess. Ray is kind of both. She becomes a junk trader on Jakku, but she's also royalty. She's the descendant of the emperor. She's essentially a princess of the dark side. This goes back to so many stories. 
are you well, talking about? Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Don't do anything. Let me finish. Alex, please, I let me finish. I think it's better. Of evil. Oh, my God. <laughs> let me, let me finish. Let me finish. It gets better. It gets better. Oh it gets God. better. I, oh, man. Alex, trust thing. me. Alex, trust me. Jesus. Trust me. It gets better. It gets better. Um... Okay, let me start. Okay, so she's the descendant of the emperor. She's essentially a princess of the dark side. This goes back to so many stories. Moses, for example, was a commoner racist as a prince. The whole concept is really mythologically strong to us. She's inherited this power, but ultimately chooses to transform her lineage and decides her ancestors are the Jedi, basically. Close quote. Okay, now you may go. She, oh I think they got that whole thing backwards. Oh my. God, he compared her to Moses. <laughs> I mean, yes, you could if you started the whole trilogy from that perspective, but like, the, I'm sorry, no. Like, the Ten Commandments, it doesn't, like, get revealed halfway through that he's a prince and then decides to fight for the Jews anyway? No, like... He starts as a Jew, it's tur- he, he starts as a prince and it turns out he's a Jew. So so here's my here's my thing. I'm trying to think about this from a logical perspective in the sense that if Ryan Johnson said literally the exact opposite thing and approached his filmmaking from the exact opposite perspective, and this guy is saying the exact opposite thing and it made his film with the exact opposite perspective, then that's fair. They're approaching a story from different angles. That's what storytellers do. That's fine. Like they obviously made a movie that contradicted the last one and they didn't hide it. That's apparent. But then the next step is when you place both of those arguments in front of me, which one sounds more entertaining, more logical for the story, and what is just more logical in general? And I am sorry, Chris Terrio, but that is batshit banana brain. (laughs) Fucking stupid. Oh, my God. That's like either he is like trying to dance around this idea or he is legit trying to like – explain himself and oh my this explains so much about batman versus superman this explains so much uh whoa man. <laughs> um why is han solo in the movie is the next question uh, I don't think that matters. I think they wanted to bring Harrison no, back. No, I in. do actually like. I do actually want to read his quote though. Um, I don't find it, but I'm wondering what like his fucking crazy answer is going to be. One thing we thought epi- quote Chris Terrio, One thing we thought episode nine needed to do was provide closure, and he essentially had to seek forgiveness. Han isn't a force ghost. Obviously, he's a memory. He doesn't have the same ontological status as say luke who exists in quite a literal way later on but we needed ren to ask forgiveness in order to carry on yeah that's fine no all of that's fine i agree like when han dying and and him feeling uh remorse over and guilt over it is even explored in the second movie and to have no resolution to it would be bad ultimately over time i think over time everyone would be as disgusted by that on a structural level as they are when like Chewie doesn't hug Leia. Like I don't get that upset about that moment, but when people see it and they walk by, I'm like, okay, I get it. That's a character moment from an emotional perspective. I like it. It makes sense. I get it. I understand why they did it in the movie or whatever, but like I I I like that. Like giving closure to his death and the guilt of Kylo Ren is fine. And seeing him was not that like 
bad. Like that's that is the kind of thing that I don't feel bad about. You don't have Carrie Russell. I, I'm I'm sorry. You don't have Carrie Fisher, and like <laughs> you can't, she can't be the big moment because I guarantee you that she would have had that moment with Kylo. She would have had that moment with Ben. They haven't met each other this entire trilogy. That was the moment that she was supposed to have with him. And Harrison Ford stepped in, and it also gave closure to his death and his guilt. So it did two birds with one stone. So I, I do agree with what he's saying. I think, honestly, God, so looking at this now, assuming, you know, obviously they had to do a bunch of major rewrites with with uh, Carrie Fisher and all that to dance around the fact that she's dead. Um, Literally. I, yeah, I mean, I think that... Um, like you said, I think that moment was probably originally intended for Carrie Fisher and they just didn't get to have that because she obviously died. I think obviously there's a lot of other parts of this that showed a lot more Carrie Fisher that I think we would have seen a lot more of. Um, and she would have just played a bigger role. She probably uh, would have probably still died at some point in this movie. Um, but I think that at the end of the day, there there are moments that we didn't get it, but they, they danced around it and um. A lighter way than I think we we in a lighter way than uh, what we probably would have originally gotten had she not died. I don't mind it. Yeah, they did with what they could, and it, it yeah. does it does answer something that's kind of nice. And I think I think his reasoning is solid. Oh, I agree. Um, Ready I like the next it. one? Yeah, go for it. I'll, I'll, I'm still angry a little bit. <laughs> Why was Rose Tico absent? I heard this response a little bit before, but go ahead. She's so, Nerdis says, um, another big controversy surrounding the Rise of Skywalker was the reduced role for Rose Tico. The character was a major part of the story in Last Jedi, and the actress who plays her, Kelly Marie Tran, faced a lot of negative backlash after the movie's release. In the lead-up to Episode Nine, Abrams praised Tran, and she was a staple on the PR tour. She got the biggest ovation out of any of the cast members at Star Wars Celebration. By far. Not even close. Um, but in the final film, she got less than two minutes of screen time. In an interview with Awards Daily, Terrio said the reason for this had to do with Leia and the limited footage they had of Carrie Fisher. Quote, We wanted Rose to be the anchor at the, rebellion, at, at the rebel base who was with Leia, he said. Uh, we thought... We couldn't leave Leia at the base without any of the principals whom we love, so Leia and Rose were working together. As the process uh, evolved, a few scenes we'd written with Rose and Leia turned out to not meet the standard of photorealism that we'd hoped for. Um, those, scenes were those scenes unfortunately fell out of the film. However, after the interview went to print and riled the fan base, Terry issued an apology and clarification. In a statement to Vulture, Terry said, quote, I badly misspoke. If in an earlier statement I implied that any cutscenes between Rose and Leia were the fault of our VFX team and the wizards at ILM. In that earlier interview, I was referring to a specific scene in which Leia's emotional state in Episode 7 did not seem to match the scene we wrote for use in Episode 9, and so it was cut at the script stage before VFX work was done. Makes sense. Um, here, here's the thing. If he is... Telling the truth, and that's earnestly what they wanted to do for Rose, then they incidentally gave validation to the worst and most disgusting voices of the Star Wars fan base. And if they did it purposefully, it's even worse. So the question <laughs> yeah. is, ask yourself, is he bullshitting or is he not? 
I think it's a bit of both. I think that they were always going to, I think taking her out of the story and putting her in the resistance in the first place is the problem. Like 110%, she should be on the adventure with the rest of them. Or if your point was to connect her with Carrie Fisher, I get that. Obviously the Han Solo is a thing where they had moments that they planned ahead that they had to like remix into something else. But you knew this was coming. You knew people treated her terribly. You knew you had an opportunity to avoid all of this and put her above it. And by adding a God knows four, like Carrie Russell, the, the chick that's with Finn the whole time. And, um, God, Greg Grunberg and John McMonahan. Like, why did you add all of these extra people to, 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 like, flesh out your world when you already had somebody who knew the world, fleshed it out, and was there available for you to do it? You had an opportunity to shut them up, to validate her, and to just sidestep all of this. And instead, what you did is you gave her the worst possible position from this jump. And then we're like, well... We didn't know she was boxed in, and we didn't know what to do. And it's like you, you, you knew you were boxing her in. So I mean, I I, I said it myself. Wouldn't it be nice if she was in the re- the rebellion? But also, all the rebellion does with Carrie Fisher is validate the fact that Carrie Fisher and what is there and what she's doing to get her to that point. That's all that editing and Maz is for. The, they're all there to say what Carrie Fisher can't because she wasn't there. That's all the rebellion does on the side. We don't even get the moment where Lando rallies the troops to get them there. We just get the surprising moment when they show up. We don't even know how he did it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I was Rose there for that. Like, so many opportunities. So, like, is what he's saying true? Yeah. Did you put her in that position in the first place so you could do this interview and say that? Yeah, you did, you fucking coward. <laughs> Sex, but it wasn't already. Um, My last reaction was so much worse. What was the decision behind Finn's late in the game for sensitivity? That is the next question. To, to say that men can be force sensitive without being questions and have hands, <laughs> but Ray has Get to go ready. and be a Palpatine for all of that to be okay with everyone else. Alex. I want you to hold on to Broom Boy for what I'm about to say, okay? Uh, could you not tell people to, that I do that? <laughs> Alex, could you hold on you to know, I just, I just got the content. Okay, I want you to hold on to the idea that Broom Boy represents. How about that? I'll hold on to Broom Boy. I like your response. No, like, I get it. I need a hug. I can One of the... <clears throat> Nerdist goes on. One of the best things about The Last Jedi was the idea of a democratized force uh that movie ends with the image of a young force sensitive boy holding a broom and looking to the stars showing that anyone was capable of being a hero that thread was seemingly dropped by the rise of skywalker but terio explained to the hollywood reporter that finn's force sensitivity in the film was their way of following through on that idea (laughs) (laughs) quote 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 hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on quote Ray descending from a Palpatine doesn't negate the idea that kids with brooms, Finn, and any other number of people in the galaxy can be strong with the Force. So this guy just like got dropped as a kid on his head a lot. That's that's what happened here, right? He got polo as a kid and it affected his entire brain, right? (laughs) A bunch of crowns shoved up his nose like Homer Simpson. Like, what the hell is wrong with Chris Terrio? 
What the hell is wrong with J.J. Abrams? Oh, my God. Jeez. Wow. Um, this has been in, really educational. Um, Chris Terrio is insane. And whenever I want to watch a bad movie, it sounds like I should just go to his. If, if I want to watch a bad movie and be infuriated by the decisions, but know that they're coming for the most pure, like, he's half bullshitting, but some of these things he actually does agree with. I do think he's like, it, it would be weird if Palpatine was there, right? And everyone in the room would be like, what are you talking about? He'd be like, no, nah, I'm writing this, so I'm going to do that. <laughs> That's insane. That's insane. That's why I wanted to hold, I need you to hold on to what Broom Boy represents. Because <laughs> that was rough. Yeah. That is rough. But if he's saying that Finn is there to say that same thing, fine. But you don't even outright say that Finn is Force-sensitive. He alludes to it so that they can answer it in an interview later. Like, yeah, it's fun if you can like solve that puzzle. But still, why have it be a puzzle? Why have it be that it's okay? It, like, you don't even explain it. It's just like, Finn has the Force. There you go. No sign of it, except for that he felt like it was the right thing to do to leave the Stormtroopers and, you know, didn't care about murdering all of them later. Like, I, I, I don't understand why they think it's okay for us to be okay with him being Force-sensitive without any explanation, but because Rey is super powerful, you have to see her train, see her have a master, have her be a Palpatine, all of these things, all of these things for it to be okay. Because she has, because she's a woman. That's just, that's shit insane. <laughs> that's incredible. It's not like these things have not been talked about. It's not like these people are not aware of these, like, talking points since the very first movie. Um... When he, when, and picked up the blue lightsaber. We were having discussions about whether he was force sensitive or could he have the force. Or and now we're, I just don't get it, man. I don't. Okay, Ow. next one. Why did Luke catch the lightsaber this time? Because they wanted to invalidate Last Jedi. Like, like I don't, I don't know, man. It's the most ambiguous of all of them. Yeah, it's the one that JJ pointed to. And said, no, we didn't retcon The Last Jedi. Luke was going through an arc. Of course he would catch the lightsaber this time after he tossed it over. He went through an arc in The Last Jedi. Yeah, but that's like saying, you're, that's like when your girlfriend forgives you for, like, cheating on her or something that you've actually done wrong. And then, like, years go by and then you're like, you forgave me. And she's like, yeah, sure, I forgave you for that. There's a tone to it. And there's a tone to what he says and how he catches that saber. There's, like, a tone that's like... Yeah, he did. He is. He he does now realize that the the saber is important. That the Jedi need to survive to a certain extent. That there's a way to change and evolve with the Force. Sure, but that's not how it comes out. It comes out with like a tone of like, wasn't I a fucking dipshit before? Like, who made me say that stuff? Like, it's just got this tone about it. So yeah, they can point to it and say, no, 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 no. he went through an arc. But that's there's a there's still something there. There are other ones that are so apparent. Her being a Palpatine, the mask. The, you can't explain those off. Like, they're just so obviously a backtread. Wait this until is... you... Oh, they talk about the mask? I, it's not on the Nerdist article, but I do remember what he said. And I will get to it. I will get to it, because so, okay. I have something there, to say. There are more Chris, Chris, hold on. We've been recording for almost 
two hours and we haven't even talked about Die Hard 2. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. No, I get yeah. it. Yeah. Welcome it. to the podcast, <laughs> I dude. I get it, Chris. But but let's 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 try to wrap this up a little bit and actually get to the reason why we're we're recording. Fair enough. And it's not Rise of Skywalker. I gotta say, this podcast has kind of always been my Well, Zach. If I recall, not all of us have seen the movie, now have we? I'm gonna say it. I mean, <laughs> you're not wrong, but I'm trying to keep us on track. Hashtag back to Willow. It, I mean, fair oh, enough. Next. You could have just said hashtag back to Willow, but okay. The next question. So, so let's 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 do a couple more, and then I'm just the one, leave it at I'm that. the one that's rambling. I'm the one that's rambling. So I, I get it. Oh, man. Listen, three more, okay? Three more. (laughs) Three more, please. Okay. You know what, Zach? If you don't like it, hang up. I want to keep going. I got three more. Why does the galaxy finally come to aid the Resistance? That's a pretty solid question. All right. Terry, I'll tell... The Hollywood Reporter, quote, I don't want to overexplain our intentions in the film. (laughs) Um, And I'd leave it to the audience to draw casual connections between events. But I will say this. There's no reason to think that Luke's sacrifice wasn't what inspired the galaxy. Lando rounded up the allies, but clearly something has changed in the galaxy since the Battle of Crate. The galaxy answers the call this time. I'm legit. I legit hate this guy now. That's one of the most. That's one of the most arrogant, disgusting. Like you, fucking asshole. Do do your that's, homework. You do that. Oh, that's, that's bad, kind of man. Dodging the point. That's not even. That's not even dodging it. That's literally saying, "Screw you for asking me. You should. You should answer that, not me. That's your job. No, that was your job. And then you still explain yourself afterwards." Like, no, show, don't spend time giving us stupid crap about MacGuffins. Why don't you show us the galaxy being inspired by Luke? Because okay. you, didn't like, you didn't like the decisions that Luke made in the last movie, and you didn't want to talk about them. Like, oh, my God, man. Nerdist, uh, Nerdist uh, writes, that's not really an explanation, to be honest, especially since he adds later on that he won't presume to decode the film. But we guess we can accept that it would take a while for everyone to hear what Palpatine has in store, i.e. total galactic destruction, and finally feel motivated to do something about it. I won't presume to decode the film that you fucking wrote? Co-wrote. Still, they didn't do it in separate rooms. <laughs> right, right. This wasn't okay, Animal Collective one. making a Meriwether Post Pavilion over email. Like, no, they, they wrote it together. <laughs> um... <laughs> um why are Luke and Leia the only Force Ghosts at the end? I.e., where is Ben Solo? Because he didn't become one with the Force. Terry told the Hollywood Reporter that he and Abrams spent a lot of time discussing who would be in that final shot. Ultimately, they chose to focus on the twins to give Leia, quote, more centrality. And because they were the characters who trained Ray, quote, it's her, Luke, and Leia standing together because she's got the two Skywalker sabers in her hands. She buried them. Um, 
You know what's funny? They weren't the only ones that trained her. Kylo trained her too. To, to an extent. But no, that's the point. She wouldn't be she wouldn't have made the decisions she made in Last Jedi without Ben. And she fought for that was the point. When she <laughs> oh, man. oh man. Oh man. Dude, listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. He also added that having more force ghosts there at the end might be too much of a visual, quote, visual shock for the audience. I really don't like this. It's actually just insane. I really don't like this guy. Second to last one. Oh my god, dude. I can't wait to get to the DCEU now. Like, second to last one. Okay. Um, Is Ray going to live on Tatooine? He got asked that. Um, yeah, legit. Who cares? Exactly. Um, okay, here's this quote to IndieWire. I don't think we think of it as she's going to live there. We thought of it as just paying her respects to some sort of undoing. No, um, we thought of it as just paying her respects and sort of undoing the original sin at the end of the third movie, which is separation of the twins. That's where... Luke was separated too. So you actually should go to Polis Massa? Maybe even Naboo. I mean, I mean anyway. I, I mean I guess I get the idea to like bring together the okay. people. also it's it's about the last shot and like also what he's not saying but saying at the same time is that Star Wars is legit way more about Luke than it is about Leia. So to sit there and be like the whole thing is about the separation of twins, it's like no. No. Like, it's way more about Luke. And then Leia showed up in the third movie and was like, oh, you're you're the sister of Luke. And it's like, oh, well, no, that's nice. And I like it. That's fine. They kissed a little bit, but who cares? That's a really nice thought. But, like, you had an opportunity to flesh that out in this movie, and she died. Any director would have ran into that trap. So I get that you want to say that point, but that is not what – that's not what this is about. This is the, – the original Star Wars movies was not about two – twins not even the prequels were about two twins that were separated that was just the end result of a man that fell like that's what that story is about oh my god okay so in regards to the mask um so <laughs> while some star wars fans this is from cinema blend i had to go somewhere else last one i promise While some Star Wars fans might see Kylo donning his mask again in The Rise of Skywalker as a rebuke of Kylo Ren ditching ditching it in The Last Jedi, director J.J. Abrams explained that the fixed mask represents Kylo's development and wasn't simply brought back to make the character look more intimidating. As Abrams, J.J. Abrams, put it, quote, having him be masked but also fractured is a very intentional thing like the classic japanese process of taking ceramics and repairing them and how it the breaks in the way uh, the breaks in a way define the beauty of the piece as much as the original itself as fractured as ren is the mask <laughs> becomes a visual representation of that there's something about this that tells us history his mask doesn't ultimately hide him and his behavior is revealed. <laughs> okay, so... Oh my god! Is, oh my god, Alex! Alex! Crazy. That's like when someone decorates their house in Japanese culture, and you're like, wow, are you from Japan? Do you have Japanese... Nope. Oh, you just like Japanese... Yep. Okay. There's the so thing. No, 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 no. Other than aesthetics. Yep. Sweet. That's all no, it was. No, no, no. 
Why the mask looks that way? Sure, but you're not telling us why he put the mask on again at all. Then, because, like, um, I guess it's like, um, I know Terrio said something of like they wanted to show how more like fractured he is about his emotions and how split he is he has a scar on his face <laughs> that's actually yeah there you go the most obvious visual representation focus on the scar isn't his scar pretty much healed no at the end of the death at the end of the death star no no here's the here's the thing at the end of the death star lightsaber battle ray when she's healing spoiler alert when she's he- if, if, if I didn't put one in front of the thing. So when she's healing Ben, she heals the scar too. Yeah. I missed that okay. too. Okay, so here's the thing. That. I get that. I get that we missed it because guess what? He's wearing a fucking mask the whole movie. Yep. You're right. You have a better visual representation that was created and used properly in the second movie. And oh my God. Wow. You're right. Holy crap. Wow. I hope that sheds oh, light God. on the process on the on what on the on the I hope that sheds light on the minds behind what is the rise of Skywalker. Wow, that was enlightening. Uh uh oh man. Wow. I need <laughs> about this terio. I'm now realizing that this guy is gonna be one of my new favorite people to hate. Um, I'm, I'm <laughs> like Zack Snyder. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I think the, I balance back and forth. Sometimes I'm like Zack Snyder. Some part of him is an artist. And then I look at, at his films and I'm done. I walk away. I'm like, fuck that guy. And it's just like, it's not, it's, ah, oh, God, I don't know. But like Chris Terrio, that was a combination of him like dodging things and not wanting to admit the truth. And other times admitting the truth and like thinking it was okay. And like, yeah, this was my point. And not realizing just how like, he was the only man in the room with that opinion. It'd be like being at a party and being like, hey, does anybody else like to take a bath in hot dog water? No? It's Just me? Cool. It was exactly what I thought, honestly. I was like, okay, yep, that's why you did it. Dude, wow, man. Like, that was, that was a, fa- that was a I, fan. That was a fan. We basically just watched what happened when someone watched Twilight and made Fifty Shades of Grey. We watched the Fifty I still don't hate the movie, but the people behind it are very questionable. I will say that. Dude, I I don't hate the movie, but I certainly hate the reasons every decision was ever made. About there you it. go. I, like, I I guess yeah. I'm I'm starting to float into that territory. It's sort of like when you have two people that are terrible and you hate them, and they're like together all the time. <laughs> worst couple you know and then they have a child and that, mm. child. that sounds very familiar and like and like that child is okay and sure it's like a little rough because its parents are rough and then it just grows up way better than its parents and like that's how i feel like i don't blame like some of this movie's okay but like once i realized like what happened what what it took to make it i'm like oh my god Ugh. yeah Fuck your um parents. so sorry oh zach just hung up <laughs> You know what? Good. He's had a long time. I was just about to apologize to him. Wow. Bad timing. 
<gasps> he wanted to get the Die Hard, and he never saw the movie. Yeah, I kind of, that was I didn't want to say it, but at the same time, I wondered why did we just why did he? Why, I guess we should have texted it to him instead of talking about it. Why didn't we just text to him if you didn't see it? Why didn't you just say you can just back out after news? And he would have. We could have done this all politely. But one of my one of the things that's a staple about this podcast is the passive aggressive nature. <laughs> We're all friends, guys. Trust me. <gasps> he just ducked out. Oh my god. I think I don't know. Maybe he's like I skipped nineteen seventeen for this. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you didn't watch the movie. If you didn't, watch the movie, I it didn't come across that he skipped the movie. That he skipped the movie. It sounded like it was just. Misscheduling. If it misscheduled, he like he did say he may get out of it, so maybe he lied to us to be nice, and then jumped in and. We are. This I, is I, this I, mic is on, right? This mic is on. Uh, is it? Is it on? Is yeah, that? we are going. We are still. We are going. Oh no! Yeah, like we're still recording, right? Yeah, we're still recording. Yeah, of course. But he's not here. He's not here. <laughs> okay. Well, sorry, Zach. Zach, I Zach, I apologize. But I had to say, you did not. Yeah, you did admit you did not see the movie. You didn't see the movie, so. At least so you, it's at least you weird that you did. You, you just wanted to get to, um, that you just wanted to get to Die Hard, which is a movie that you didn't see. I know that. I, but uh, here's the thing: I don't think he rewatched it, but I'm pretty sure he's he may have seen it before because this has been on TV a lot. But like. Uh, I feel bad that you're that you're gone, buddy. And he he knows that we want to see him for the third one, so cool. But like, also, you didn't watch it, so <laughs> you were, I think we're good on that. I don't know. I don't know what else to have said. Like, we did talk about the Oscars. We did talk about the other things. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're a contentious group of buddies, guys. So you know, I, it's happening fun. Like I legit like was just like <laughs> I like I was literally just like. I feel like I just like blacked out during the whole like New Mutants and like Sam Mendes talk because I'm so like sick. It's like I had to get a guy to go over and get the nasal spray and I'm just like leaning over in my chair looking like I'm dead or something. Anyway, Zach, we love you. Come back. You're not listening because this is after the fact all right it's equal parts all our faults i think we're all anti-heroes in this situation but zach you knew we were going to record today and you backed (laughs) out and then you and then your your uber took two hours i guess i don't know the whole story and uh i mean i guess we started at 9 30 because because you asked us to start at 9 30 and i will admit this entire time that we've been talking uh Die Hard 2 has been on, and yeah, I'm watching the ending right now, so he's not wrong. Also, that whole thing with Terrio was actually kind of fascinating. I thought the Terrio thing was very fascinating, and I thought what we were talking about with New Mutants and Oscars was fascinating. Like, he just, when he was, when he was bullshitting, he took forever, too. And when we were bullshitting, we took forever, too. It's just like, we started too late for us to do our normal time, but like, you and I, I, I don't work in the mornings. All right. Um, Die Hard 2. Die Hard 2, bro. What'd you think? What a strange action movie. Yeah. That was really weird. And it just went 
on. It just felt. It just. It found every reason to keep going. Hmm. You know, like. Also, like I'm really easy. To. I'm like okay. In wrestling terminology, I'm a mark. So it's not hard to get me to hate you in a fictionalized sense. He's back. Oh, my God. Oh what? My You're God. back? He's back. Oh wait, did God. you? Wait a second. Wait, hold on a second. Did you just take care of the dog? Oh. <laughs> he left again. Ah, oh, damn. Uh, maybe he, he's also talked about his internet being a jerk, so. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did he come back to just you? Please tell me it's your internet. Dude, please tell me it's your internet and not the fact that we went on about Star Wars. You're like, I wonder if we're talking about it and then we're like, that stupid son of a bitch, Zach. And it's like, oh, oh, no, I think maybe his internet. He was having trouble. Dude, tell me it's your internet. Either way, we still. No, it wasn't internet. Yay! Dog, that's right. You said you would have to back out for two minutes. Uh, No, it wasn't the dog either. Okay, Okay, we pissed him off. Okay, (laughs) we're sorry, man. You, you went oh, you went a little too far on the Star Wars after three weeks. <laughs> oh, so it was it was a Star Wars hangout. <laughs> I, Fair enough. I, we're, we're also, he, the funny thing is, is he said it too right after you left. He's like, I was just about to apologize to him, <laughs> and we're like, oh, timing, timing is everything. I'm <laughs> <laughs> <Not> serious. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, okay. So we're about to pop into it. So Zach, have you? We we talked about you haven't seen it for the podcast, but have you seen Die Hard two ever? I saw bits and pieces like way back in the day, but I. <laughs> okay, so fa- fair enough. I like this would be my next question to you, Chris. Do you think that Zach has missed anything? Probably not. <laughs> No, I think it's an earnest question. Okay, the one thing I will say that I thought was pretty, the one thing I did, one thing I think is pretty memorable is like the whole thing of him, uh, um, in the, um, in the old airplane when they were going to get the guy, Mm -hmm. and he like launches, like he ejects out of the, out of the plane, and it's just that over the top. Over the overhead shot of the plane exploding, and it's the CG shot of John McClane yelling. Ah! He reaches the peak, and then he falls back. He's like, "Oh shit!" (laughs) (laughs) Man, I'm I'm glad that they maintained his character, even as ridiculous as as this movie was. Yes, that's one of the most important things. So, Zach, here here's the story of the second one. Um. Okay. So, so uh, after the first movie, John McClane and his wife have gotten back together. They fix things. Ooh. John McClane is now an, an officer in the LAPD, and he is still uh, was he in- an officer in the first one? If I remember correctly, he was a cop of some kind, wasn't he? But not, but not for the LAPD. Okay. He moved to LA. Okay. 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 So in this movie, they are visiting Holly's mother-in-law in Washington. So Holly is coming late, late because she worked, and John McClane is already at the airport to meet her. He's with his mother-in-law's car. It gets towed. That's how the movie starts. He fixes that problem immediately when we find out that she is still in the air on the plane, and they have a conversation. He's like, we're going to forget the car. We'll have a hotel. Come and see me. 
But while he's waiting for her there at the at the airport, of course, terrorists show up. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you get too nutty on this, okay, I want to just give a quick prediction of what I'm pretty sure I know what the plot of this movie is. Before, Fair before you even tell me, this sounds <laughs> like the influence to Con Air a little bit, a little bit. Or, or not, uh, not con. Not, not, I wouldn't say air. con air. air There's one. elements. Sorry, there, air there, there are there are small elements. Yes. Air Force One. I'm sorry. Not not con air. Air Force One. Air Force. No. Um. I get what you're saying, and honestly, I, Air Force One was a movie I was thinking about showing Chris and putting on the wheel too because I love Air Force One. Um. But no, it doesn't take place on a plane as much as you think. It okay. takes place more in the airport. Okay. So, so John McClane finds terrorists there. He kills a couple guys, and it turns out while the, everyone's at the airport on Christmas Day, this all takes place on Christmas Eve, he's, of uh, um, of course, um, apparently there is a um, dictator from a foreign country who's being uh, extradited over to the U.S., and he has paid mercenaries to hijack the airport and uh, put all the planes in the air hostage. So, in a perfectly thrilling moment, the bad guy takes all the lights off of the runway, and then he talks to the people over the phone at the main tower, and he says, I'm going to need you to keep all the planes in the air until this um, drug cartel dictator comes in. We're going to get him on a plane, and we're going to get out of here, and when we do, all of your planes can land. So, you have two hours to get this done. So, that's the movie. John McClane has to kill all the terrorists and find out how to stop him before his wife's plane runs out of fuel and crashes on the ground. Legitimately all right plot. Here's the other problem. Here's the problem with the movie that I would say one of the biggest ones. A huge chunk of this movie takes place in the plane with Holly and the reporter guys from the first movie. Uh, Why? Exactly. So he's... Why? He was the worst part of the first movie. I know. Wait, who came back? The reporter, remember? Oh, Walter Peck, yeah. <laughs> yeah Walter Peck. He's the worst part of the first movie. Why? He's, a huge, he's about 25% of this two-hour movie. So it's not good. That's not he does good. Get, he does get tased at the end of his arc, and it's actually kind of he funny how he reacts tased, to it. But, the, but the, the whole arc is that he... It's basically about him. It's supposed to be about Holly punching him, like in the last movie, but in this movie she tases him while they wait for the plane. But, like... What he does basically is the plot of his story. He finds out that um, there's a problem, that there's terrorists. He figures out how to get it um, to people. He broadcasts it on the news. Everyone freaks out at the airport when that happens. People start like stampeding people and they like freak out. And it's a pretty dick move. And so they immediately tase him after and you realize, oh, that was it? That was the whole, like, that's a huge chunk of the movie. Didn't need to be, like, didn't need to happen. Other than that, um, John McClane has uh two people helping him again there's a really smart uh tiny black guy who is helping them throughout trying not to figure me. out how to like talk not chris uh to talk to the pilots in the air and in that process there's a there's a bunch of people that get killed so it goes down and then one of the best parts of the movies happen the bad guy calls the main tower and says you weren't supposed to try and contact your pilots now I'm going to punish you. And he mutes them, but he allows them to hear a conversation he has with the English pilot. And you see all the people in the airplane, and you see the pilots, and they're like, hey, what's going on? What are you doing? 
And the guy's like, oh, it's okay to land now. I'm going to guide you down because we don't have any lights. There's been a problem, but I'm going to take you down slowly. And the guys are like, cool. And the people in the tower are like, no, he's going to make him crash. And like John McClane runs out with fire on the lane and he's trying to cut. No, like this plane goes down. The bad guy totally guides him down to their death and you see them all die. It's pretty badass, honestly. It's a it's a pretty bad badass bad guy moment. I really, really like it. And like the, this bad guy is introduced into the movie naked doing yoga. So like I forgot about dude. that. Oh my yeah. god. That's a weird he's a weird dude. Um so things are really bad. John McClane finally gets help from some um Marines that used to work with the Marines that are bad. And he's like I want to find this guy. I trained him. I'm going to like figure this all out. And he starts working with them. They find out where their base is. They like try to kill a bunch of them. Some of them escape. And it turns out that the Marines that are helping John McClane are actually bad and they're working with the bad guys. They all get to the plane at the last minute. John McClane like screws up their plans. He beats up some people on the plane. He throws one guy through an engine. He explodes and dies. And then <laughs> it's pretty bad. Badass, I mean. And then he fights the main bad guy on the wing and the main get bad guy punches John McClane off, but not before John McClane can like pull the fuel gauge off the wing of the plane the bad guy goes in john mcclain falls out and there's fuel like spilling out and so there's this huge line of fuel going as the plane is taking off and john mcclain lights it he says yippee kaye motherfucker the flame goes all the way up to the plane all of them burst into flames the plane explodes and now there is a lit runway for all the planes to crash or not crash but like land <laughs> uh, <laughs> land <laughs> perfectly <laughs> And that lands, of course, is Holly's. As the plane is landing, John is running out screaming, Holly! And she sees him and she's like, why does this keep happening to us? Which <laughs> always is a like, great line. Um, yes. Uh, it's, and that's the thing. This is basically The Force Awakens. It's the exact same thing as the first movie, except not a bad time. It's not as good, but it's not a bad time. It has callback right. moments has jokes and you like them al the cop comes back to help him with some fingerprints uh he, he like someone says you're always in the wrong place at the wrong time and he's like story of my life he, like they they don't wear it to the point where it's thin but you have to ask yourself whether you think it's a good time or not and when you compare it to the fourth and the fifth one you're like no yeah they should have made more like this for a little bit and i would have been okay but bruce willis didn't like it Bruce Willis thought it was way too much like the first one, and he didn't want to make a third one until the third one came. And uh, you're going to find out, Chris, just how different that movie is. On, a, on like, and on, it's basically the last Jedi of the Die Hard movies. <laughs> but after, after, it's like, but I don't think this is a bad movie. It's a good time. It's just not the only memorable thing about it is when he's in a plane when the bad guys catch the dictator. They trap him in there and they throw a shit ton of grenades in into the cabin he's got nowhere to go or nowhere to be so he like gets into the ejection seat and yeah he shoots up and for 1990 it's pretty good special effects he like shoots up in the air and then yeah he says oh shit and he's able to get away but um yeah it's just basically it's die hard but in an airport i didn't think it was a bad movie i was just like they're finding every reason to keep this going also were you able to keep track of all that (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yes, because I've seen it like three times. Okay. I mean, I was asking Zach. <laughs> yeah, I've oh, kept track of yeah. Okay, good. Because like, I was having a hard time following. I'm like, did they mention the the spare plane in the hangar 
before the the end of the ski chase, or the jet ski chase, chase. Um, I don't know. Like, did they lay out their plan? It's like, hey, there is a plane coming in in two hours. I need another plane prepped and ready to go in a separate hangar. Yeah. So yes, he that did takes ask, off. He, for that. he did mention that. Okay. For his phone call, like he's like, I these are that was part of his demand. Because I was watching this in the onset, in the like, in the the like the phase one of my cold, like in the transition period from phase one to phase two. Um, so I was kind of like distracted and having a little bit of a hard time keeping up. But like, there was, I thought before I watched this movie all the way through, because I had only seen the part where he almost gets the guy on the plane and then he ejects. I thought that was the end of the movie. Mm. Um before I watched this movie for the for the for this recording. Then then I saw that wasn't the case. Oh, okay. So then they have to go and now find the guys at the church with the military dudes. I just thought the military dudes were an added element of escalation of how bad this is getting. Kind of like the FBI agents from the first movie. Um, and then after the jet ski chase, I was like, oh, they were, fi-, and then he goes back to the police station and he fires blank. Oh, they were firing blanks. That's why he didn't hit the guy. I'm like, the whole movie is like, Action movies in general are just guys unloading whole mags into people and hitting and like not hitting anything. So when John McClane does it, I'm like, I didn't think anything of it. And then he realizes, <laughs> oh, <I'm-> <laughs> <laughs> you're really pointed the gun point blank at Dennis Franz and shot it everywhere. You're like, wow, he's got pretty good aim. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just like, no, I mean, like he's unloading the whole mag into him and he's not hitting anything. That's what I was. That's that was my thing. He's like, he's not hitting anything. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's t- like that's rather typical. I guess he just missed. So he's just like, ugh. And then he goes back into the police. I did not pick up in the heat of the jet ski chase that they were blanks. I did not pick that up. Uh-huh. Um, it took it took the police. It took the uh, airport uh, police station scene for me to realize that um and then after that yeah go ahead so after that they go and they figure out that the military guys were working with them and now they're all getting onto an airliner and taking off and then that whole thing is the end of the movie i'm like that movie ended three times to me there were three logical – okay, maybe four. Maybe with the, the whole church thing. But then – no, no, no. Three, 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 three. I thought it ended with the cargo plane. I thought it ended with the church and jet ski chase. I thought it – and then it actually ended with the – all the bad guys on that airliner. Um, I was just like, that movie did not need that – many fake outs you know what what the hell are you gonna do when we get to the fucking marine movies (laughs) 
I'm going to talk about how bad those are first off. <laughs> I Okay, so basically I get what you're saying. Um, I, I, I guess what I'm trying to battle with my, in my head when you say that um, is, okay, so if he saw that and that's the way that Chris feels, then is it because the film really doesn't look that interesting? Because I think it looks like the old Die Hard a little bit, the first movie a little bit, but on its own, it's not really memorable looking until you see that ejection point. Everything else is just kind of like, it kind of just rolls off your, just kind of washes over you. And I think the other part of it is the action scenes are not that interesting either. They're just kind of like, they're violent, sure, but I don't think they're like, I don't know. I just don't think they're that interesting. So you, I don't know if the problem is, is that you're watching a uninteresting looking movie or is it just the fact that it's because it's set piece after set piece after set piece of a pretty straightforward story um that it just feels that way for you because it was like it was after the cargo plane that i started feeling that uh okay i think at that point you i i think it's a combination of both i think this is kind of an uninteresting looking movie but also i think that at that point the story's wears thin and the introduction of the army guys is the hope that's the thing like it's supposed to rev up the story again but honestly it kind of doesn't really also like this is an interesting thing to think about for me um so like I think another element of me just feeling like the end the end of the movie kind of just dragged on or everything after the cargo plane sequence kind of just dragged on and it just kept going and going. It just kept finding a reason to keep going after that. It's like, I really want to see this guy, the bad guy, get got because of the 230 people dying on that airplane. And then I just had this thought, now I know why it felt so brutal now, because now, and I see it now, we're in a post-9-11 world. And now seeing that actually kind of affected me. I was like, oh, God, that was, like, that was too, like, I looked at that, and I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, that, that, like, brought something back in me that I thought was, like, oh, man, that, it just felt so, it felt way more real than it was intending to be. Well, like, we never had anything like that happen in an airport before, like... Yeah. It's... It it really, yeah, but I agree, yeah, it just... just get this guy already! It's, like, we just had a plane go down in, uh, I, what was it? It was in the Ukraine, and Uh, Iran... It was a Ukrainian plane shot down by Iran, yes. That's gonna date this podcast. Yeah, it was going to camp. Well, it may date it, but it's like the exact same thing. People were responding yeah. to a plane crash that people were saying happened accidentally. And it's yeah. like, wow. I, I honestly, yes, there are moments in this movie, and I especially think with that moment in particular, where I think the bad guy really does work. Because here's the thing, because we're going series-wise, we're going to have to compare these bad guys. It's one of the most important things. We're going to have to start comparing things. So... Also, you made a very good point that his character is pretty consistent with the first film. 
But how do you feel about this villain versus the last one? Hans Gruber's better. I'm sorry? Hans Gruber's better. Yes, I Just agree. More memorable, better personality. It just overall stands out more. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Uh, and yeah, I agree with the whole. Here's the thing: I, I I do think the element of wrong place, wrong time is certainly consistent with the movie, and I think that's like consistent with his character as well as like being joking and stuff. But the one of the main things that people talk about with the first movie is that he's just an average dude against terrorists, and I do think I forgive the constant joking about basement steam. So how could this happen to the same guy twice? Like that joke happens a lot, but I keep forgiving it because honestly, he still is kind of an average dude. And a big help has to do with all the cops around there. Not really liking him at all. Not helping him at all. Like everyone is against him. Really? Well, they don't understand. It's like, the thing is they're all, I can understand them being, jerks to him because they don't understand the gravity of the situation as much as he does. Once the full gravity sets in and they understand what's going on, there's still a-holes to him, even though he has done everything to thwart these guys and knows a little more about what to do. I, uh, I, don't, I don't like instances I've I learned this recently after watching 1917. This might this is a minor spoiler. Very, 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 very minor. Very, very, very minor. But if you feel inclined, Zach, you may like mute me for a second. <clears throat> I don't like instances where people are needlessly jerks, even when that fits their character. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and. Then- that's the intended I understand that's the intended thing, but like this movie just takes it to like a nineties like extreme with especially with the whole like um chief officer at the airport guy mm-hmm. who is just an a hole at every turn, no matter what's going on and how much McLean is doing and I just I guess I just never really like I, I never really liked that even if that's the intended response or um or not you know you know what I'm saying um I I do believe that people like that exist I do they believe do, I know, that. I know they do, but like. Well, no, I, I, it's about it's about getting myself to whether this guy works in this situation in this movie, and like he does put a lot of excuses up. He's like, "It's Christmas. You just killed a bunch of people, and uh, now I have to clean up this mess super fast. And I'm not even the boss here. Like my boss is upstairs. I have to explain it to him. And his the the thing that I agree with you with is that the boss seems cool with McLean from the very beginning, and then right after he's cool with McLean, McLean is right. And the guys call them and say, we've, hold, we've held your airport hostage. We've got everyone. Like, we want demands. And, like, McLean's like, it's going to get worse. And instead of, like, listening to him, the, the dick chief walks up and he's like, I want to get him out. I want to get him out. And the boss just lets him do it and lets him be the voice of whether or not McLean can do stuff or not. When McLean keeps being right in terms of how the uh, terrorists are going to work. And the boss is 
like the, he tells the chief what to do. So I don't really know. Oh, the captain. I'm sorry. He tells the captain what to do. And it's even worse when you realize that like McLean is a lieutenant. So <laughs> all of this is pretty weird uh, for yeah. him. But, uh, do you think that considering how like much of an asshole he is for so long, do you feel like at the end where he like backs up McLean after the blanks that that's merit that 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 that's earned? No. You think he's too much of an asshole? When the plane went, when the first plane went down, that's when it should have stopped for me. That's when I would have. That's when I would have stopped it. Like, and McLean is doing like McLean saved the guy who did the math that saved everyone's butt. I know I'm not. Yeah, and then the he thing. tried to go out there and tried to signal the plane away, and then the plane crashes against his warnings. I think he he told him like you said it's going to get worse. So, at the point where the plane crashes, is right where. I would have stopped it. Me, personally, that's where I would have ended it. This is the thing I was wondering, too. They, they said, don't intervene or else we'll punish you. So, regardless of what McLean did killing those guys to save the dude, they were always going to get punished for having the dude go there and try to do it in the first place. So, when McLean is talking him over the walkie-talkie, he gives the guy shit. And that's, it's right after he gives him shit, that's when the guy's like, alright, man, I'm going to show you what I can do. And then he does it. So, I... Part of it is a little bit of McLean pushing him, but also you have to ask yourself, was this guy I was going to do it? And a big element of me questioning myself that too is the guy who's pushing the button and doing what um, the e- what the evil boss is asking to do. He looks like this wasn't the plan. He looks like, I, don't, I can't believe I'm going to be killing a bunch of people right now. We're going to kill a bunch of people right now? Okay, we're doing this. Okay. And they do it and they die for it later and they should. But, like, I don't feel like that moment was planned. And maybe McLean pushing him to the point of doing it was him doing it. Maybe they were going to, like, almost, I don't know. Is he, like, it's obviously the most evil thing that he does. It's the worst thing that he does. And it makes him a, a very good villain for it. But was he always going to do it? Because they always assumed that they were going to try to go to that place. And that's why they always put a staff there that, that were the painters. They knew they were going to come and do it. McLean says it himself. They were just jerking him around. So they always knew they were going to punish him. Was that always their means of punishment? Were they always going to kill those people? I I, I, I think so. Mm. I mean, this is a 90s action movie, I guess. Wait, did McTiernan direct this? No. He did not. No. I wasn't ready to... I wasn't, like... <sighs> I knew something... Something visually was missing from this movie... And I couldn't put my finger on it, so I wasn't, and and I didn't see who who directed it. I assumed McTiernan directed it again, but I was like, but there's a hint of doubt in me. It was like, that doesn't seem quite right. There's something missing here that McTiernan would have added. I think. Okay. I mean, although this movie really does match a lot of the aesthetics, the lights, the steam, the metal, um, and a lot of the just sort of vibe. Of the first Die Hard movie, sure. It, it putting them back to back, it's pretty clear like which one's more competently made, especially when it comes to the action. Um, but also, um, uh, the, the first movie is letterboxed, and this one isn't. 
So the fr- the frame is a little bit different the way uh, they shot. I it did different. not notice that. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. The, one of the greatest things about Die Hard is the fact that it is like um, letterboxed and that doesn't necessarily follow these days uh, the way it does. The frame is more like to fit. The frame is a lot more like what the second movie was made to fit TVs um, a lot easier. Uh, this was made by a guy named Rennie Harlem and uh, oh. he has made some good action movies. He made his own Die Hard movie called Cliffhanger, uh, which is not bad. It's basically Die Hard on a Mountain. And he has made some very fun bad movies like The Covenant and, oh, I don't know, Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, Deep Blue Sea. Freddie Harland is a lot of fun. He's He is but he, the, here's the thing about Rennie Harlan. He, the, uh, McTiernan couldn't do this because he was like um, contracted to do Hunt for Red October, a very good movie. Um, so he couldn't get to this. So the studio was making a movie at the time called The Adventures of Ford Fairline, which, Chris, is an amazing, bad movie. It's incredibly fun. It stars Andrew Dice Clay. He is a rock and roll detective. It's hilarious. But the action in it is pretty well done. And the dailies on those actions is what got him this job. So, in fact, both of these movies, Die Hard 2 and The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, came out within a week apart. And that would be the definition of his career. Movies that are pretty good, action movies, not that memorable and okay, like Die Hard 2, and then other movies that are just so insanely bad, but entertaining in their own right, that, you know, they kind of want to give him a job. And also, he's a genuinely nice guy. People like working with him. Um, I haven't heard any Me Too stuff or anything bad about that. He consistently works to this day. Um, but he's he's a mediocre director that has no real... His themes aren't, like, terrible. And he isn't, like, an asshole. And he isn't, like, putting bad ideas into his stuff. He's just, like, a guy that wants to make action movies. He started in horror, but he was, like... He's just really good at spectacle and how to apply it well in a practical way. So that really didn't apply well when like the 2000s came along and CGI happened. It just it kind of cut out all the fun for him. His movies just got really dumb. Huh. But he is mm. no McTiernan. No, he's not a bad guy. I he's figured. Just a consistent guy. He makes he's made some very fun movies. He's made some really forgettable ones, but he's uh he's been around for over 30, 40 years. So good god. Just a staple of Hollywood. Yeah. Huh. Um, Tiernan made the next one, and you're gonna see, you're you're gonna see a step. Notice, okay, sure. yeah, I'm gonna notice. Um, I didn't hate the action. Um, I yeah, I it's not like terror. It doesn't hurt your eyes, kind of a thing. It's just um, it's just basically standard nineties nineties Rambo stuff, like shoot, cut, shoot, cut. Someone goes down. His stuff is just a little bit more bloody. That's all. Yeah. The ice pick. <laughs> that That's right. Nice. I forgot about the ice pick. But yeah, the um, deaths are good. The deaths are the really bicycle, yeah. Um, also, how did nobody inside the church hear any of that at all? And he does all that just to hop back over the fence and go back to the military guy. <laughs> I they really weren't like yelling or anything. They were just kind of like fighting, and I think yeah, they and they t- and they tumbled over some garbage cans very loudly. 
Oh, that is true. Well, you know, cats. Cats. Um, <laughs> so, so let me go add one more tidbit. Um, did you know that uh, there were two very famous henchmen in the film? Did you notice them? Henchmen that would go on to be very famous actors? See, like, stop, the bad guy, stop, the bad stop. guy is famous. I thought I recognized somebody. There's two, at least. One is easier to recognize than the other. One's the last little... guy, the last painter guy, was he somebody? The one that had the great fall on him? No. The, the, the one after that. The one with the one who, after he, the last guy he kills in that, in that part. When he's saving the the smart black guy. Yeah, when the guy walks up with the gun and he's going to shoot him in the head. Yeah. Yeah, a great the the venting great falls on him and that gives McLean the opportunity to shoot him dead. Yeah, that's that's uh that's Robert Patrick. Your T one. I knew I recognized Robert Patrick. I knew I recognized him. Now. Oh yeah. Um, um he's he's a bad guy, and then the other one is very hard. Because he's only in one little scene and then a couple just like hanging around in the background. But um, I'll give you just a guess. Just guess. Um, I'll give you some hints. He's been in both funny roles and um, serious roles in both action films. And um, he doesn't do a lot of dramas. He's mostly just like a B actor. Um, I'll give you another really good hint if you still don't know. Just for fun. He's been around for years. He's nothing. He's I'm like not okay. If he threw me off with B movie actor. I mean, like you're not gonna you're not gonna hear about him going for an Oscar. Is my point. You're gonna hear about him in like an action movie or a comedy or something. Oh my god. Okay, I'll give you one. I'll give you one more hint. I don't know. Really gonna narrow things down for you. He's in John Wick. The first. Oh, oh no! Michael Nyquist doesn't play the the general, does he? No. Okay. I think that might be. I the suspected most- at first. I'm like, no, that's not him. Maybe I don't know, but I doubt it. Uh. He's in John Wick. Not Lawrence. No, no, not Lawrence Fishburne. Um. He's not in the first movie. I'm just talking about the first one. The first one. And I'm not saying that he isn't that this person isn't in the other ones. I'm just saying right now to narrow things down for you. It's a smaller cast. So Chris, I think you're thinking about this too hard. Okay. Let me let me, uh, widen, let me widen my gaze. Let me widen my gaze. Think about the plot of think about the story of John Wick. Run John Wick through your head and think about the scenes. Who do you meet? When do you meet them? John Leguizamo? No. Yes! John Leguizamo is in this movie? <laughs> yeah, John Leguizamo is a henchman. He's just chilling out in the back, man. He has a moment where oh, he thinks... I thought he was involved or something. No, he's a henchman. He's totally a henchman. Just oh. like Robert Pattinson. Robert I, thought, Pattinson I thought he was one of the guys who got killed in the painting room. No, he's he makes it pretty far. He makes it almost all the way to the end, I believe. He's just small, so they don't give him any really talking points. or any. Also... It's a while in. Also, the fire would never have caught up to that plane at that speed. 
Of course, it's the dumbest thing ever. It doesn't. That, none of that would. It would <laughs> but it's great. great life, but that, it is great. Of course, yeah. It that was, is great. It's awesome. And he says, "If you motherfucker, it's awesome." <laughs> Just watching that fire was like that's literally. I literally started. La- I was laughing so I was laughing really hard. Actually, I was like. So, <laughs> one, more thing, one more thing about Leguizamo, like uh, he got some scenes cut out of, like his lines cut out of this because he was so small but he says his redemption would be a movie later called executive decision and, and i'm um telling you about it because it's a really good movie a really good 90s movie and i think you should ke- check it out it's die hard in a plane but you're with a swat team legozama is part of the swat team kurt russell is the only guy that can like defuse the bomb that's part of this thing um, and he's in there crawling around. It's a really good movie. If you ever get a chance to see Executive Decision, watch it. Why did they decide to do speed on a cruise liner and not an airplane? Because there had already been at least three other airplane movies, including Executive Decision by that point. There had already been Turbulence, a bunch of stuff. Dang it. So airplanes were first. Yeah, like it, go, it goes, I believe, they had already done a hockey rink by that point. That's hard target, by the way. Not bad. Um, a they hockey did the... rink? John <laughs> yeah, Van Damme, hard target, hockey game. There's a terrorist that take over. It's great. Um, the cliffhanger, Under Siege had happened both on a boat and already and is a good movie. Under Siege is not bad. And Under Siege 2 happens on a train. So, like, they were already narrowing down Die Hard Anna by the time that Die Hard, that by the time Speed 2 had happened. And also, it's die just a bad. <laughs> like there aren't there aren't really any more Die Hard on a movies except for I'd say the last good one was the one Zach mentioned, Air Force One, where Harrison Ford plays the president. Terrorists take over the president or the Air Force One, and the president has to save everyone, like Die Hard style. It's great. It also has a great friend, Harrison Ford. In it. It has Harrison Ford. It has William H Macy. It has uh, uh, Gary, Gary Oldman. Is guy. Yeah, dude, love that movie. Get off my plane. I haven't seen. It. I just remember that line. Um, oh, we're watching that Chuck E. Cheese once. <laughs> why? I don't know. They were playing it on there, which is why I, that's the question I asked. I'm like, why are you playing this PG-13 movie in a Chuck E. Cheese? All right. And I was and I was ten. I was like, this is weird. Still a good movie. Oh no, I loved it. I loved that movie then. That I wasn't playing. I was sitting down watching Air Force One. I'm trying to think of what else I could talk about this movie. It's just like it washes over you. I don't remember the soundtrack in the slightest. Um, Nothing important about it. No. I was. Nah, never mind. Um, I think. I think I think you're all talked out of it, dude. Now, one more thing I will say about it. For me, I discovered something myself. Listen, I love like crazy, like high octane, multi move action, like uh, fight scenes, like The Raid, mm-hmm. uh, or something like that, or like a Jackie Chan movie. Mm-hmm. Or like um, Ip Man, but yeah, I'm Hitman. Um, something in this movie reminded me. It was the tr- it was the uh, scene of the ch- it was the fight scene of the church with the icicle. I kind of actually like 
just two guys struggling against each other. Like they're just, just like tussling. Like they're not, it's not like choreographed moves or anything like that. They're just like grabbing each other, yanking and trying to like get position or trying to take somebody down um, or something like that. Like, like, like they're just rolling on the ground trying to either strangle or get out of a hold or something like that. Like John Wick did that a lot um, or kind of mixed the two, but I, I do, I'm starting to lean towards that, like, kind of fight scene, maybe a little more, just because it feels more, like, I don't want to say, okay, it feels more authentic, and anything, I get this sense in those, like, really, like, rough, like, tussles that, um, I get the sense of anything could happen. Like, there's less predictability behind it, whereas I'm watching, like, the kitchen scene in The Raid 2, and it's just like, I am enjoying this, you know? Like, I'm enjoying watching this. And this is a very good fight scene. It's very, it's full of, it's full of tension, but like, there's something for me at least about two guys wrestling around, just fighting, just like fighting each other to the death. That's just unpredictable and realistic to a point, though. I still do enjoy the choreographed stuff when it's done right. You know, you know what I'm saying? No, I get it. You 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 think the raid fucking sucks. I get it. I mean, I just don't <laughs> understand why you say that. Um, and I hate you forever. I hate you. No, I get it. Um, I was thinking. I was gonna say you fucking... gave me those DVDs, and I told you I loved those movies. Yeah, no, I <laughs> no. The the raid movies are basically the elegant. They are the they are the Fred Astaire of kung fu. Kung fu movies are even the Jackie Chan movies to a certain extent are about. Uh, fighting as if they are dancing. People in musicals stop what they're doing, sing, and then dance. In kung fu movies, people drop what they're doing and then they fight elegantly because they're sparring, really, essentially. And that's the thing. People in a lot of places will go out of their way to watch sparring. It's what UFC is like. It's not necessarily about the competition. It's about the art form. So when you're watching a kung fu movie, you have to keep in mind that basically you're watching a musical with fights. That's what you just have to accept. That's why a lot of people like The Raid more than The Raid 2, specifically because you have more explosions, you have more gunfights, you have other elements, you have snipers. Those things are there, but there's also other things too. But for me, when I think of like a, like, there is just a bare bones, there is a, like a, a simplicity to two men fighting. Yes, because in this movie, for example, you remember that scene a lot more than or it has more of an impact on you because here's, I, I'm going to describe two scenes from this movie. Uh, a John McClane goes to the church. He sneaks up on a guy, but the guy sees him early and they start fighting. They fight over a car. They fit some trash cans. They get to the building close by. And then as they're fighting, John McClane takes an icicle at the last minute when he's getting choked and he takes it. He stabs it in the guy's eye. 
and it's gruesome, but it's quick, and the fight's like maybe a minute long, but it's entertaining. And then there is the gun shootout that happens when they're protecting the black guy who wants to uh, fix the skyway or whatever, or the painting, the painter gun fight. Like you're, you see the SWAT team there. They're like, we're going to protect you. And you're like, you know, something's going to happen. And then they're going there on an escalator and they see the painters and they don't even know. They don't even care that there are painters there. They're not doing anything. And then the painters stop the thing. And then they're like, what are you doing? They're like, you know what they're doing. And the guy's like, I'm going to say a line before. And like, there's so much build to something that really isn't that satisfying visually because it's just like, shoot a couple people here, shoot a couple people here. And then, you know, someone dies with some bullet wounds. It's not that interesting to look at, but at the end of the day, if you want to see something like that done elegantly, you watch John move. He's the best gunfight shooter around. It doesn't matter how many bullets there are. It doesn't matter if it's like logical, it's beautiful to see. And when it comes to people tussling, I have two levels uh, that I go from two opposites of the spectrum. There's the fight in Mad Max Fury road for the gun. When yep. Yep. There's that. That is, that is unbelievably choreographed. It's like impeccable. Like that is impeccably edited. That is an unbelievably well edited scene. It's incredibly tense. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but you know that they had to practice that for months to get it right, including with a camera. And then there's the other opposite end of the spectrum. And that's the movie I don't think you've seen. And it's called They Live. It has a 10 minute. I did want to add that to the wheel. I think uh, one of you talked me off it. It's a curiosity for sure, but no, I love that movie. I think you should see it for sure. Anything, uh, dude, I love John Carpenter. You put John Carpenter on the wheel, I'm going to be for it. He has he has bad movies that we can talk about for fun, but then he also has great movies. And my, I would love to put the thing on any of those wheels, Chris. I love it. <laughs> uh, but They Live has a 10-minute, the whole point of They Live is there's a bum who goes around, he finally ends up in L.A., and he discovers through magical sunglasses that their aliens have landed on Earth and they basically turned society into a brainwashed uh, uniform uh, idea that they have through subliminal messages like conform. And it's a really good movie. It's a lot of that imagery has carried into today through a lot of art. And it's just a popular movie. It's really cheaply made. Um, but there is a 10 minute fight scene between two guys in an alley. It's not really that well choreographed. And one of them is a, a real-life wrestler. Um, and the whole point is of this 10-minute fight uh, is for one of them to just put on the glasses. Just put on the glasses. And the guy's like, I don't want to. And he's like, put on, just put on the fucking glasses. He's like, I don't want to. And then they have a fight in an alley that's like 10 minutes long. It's really scrappy. It looks like they just made it up on the fly. And then he puts on the glasses and he sees it. And he's like, holy shit. And he's like, yeah, dude, let's go. And yeah, it's just... It, it's. It's awesome. It's just like two guys scrapping, and it's great. Like I, I, I totally get what you're saying, but it's a how it's applied to the movie you're watching. Yeah, exactly. If you walk away from this movie and you say one of the best moments is a guy getting stabbed with an icicle, yeah, it works. It's effective, and a lot of that has to do with the way the other scenes of actual gunfights are plotted out in uninteresting, predictable, annoying-ish, kind of forgettable ways. And then you have this other moment, which, you know, was probably slapdashed on set. They were like, how do you want to do this? I don't know. We've rolled around. There's a car over here, uh, some trash cans. Uh, and then we're going to stab you in the face with an icicle. We'll, we'll put that on your face tomorrow night. It's like, um, hey. That reminds me of how, you probably already know this, but um, quarter crew also do stuntmen react to bad and great um, stunts in movies. And one of them... And they mentioned um, 
um, a Jackie Chan movie. Uh, what was it called? It was him and some some white guy. Um, that nearly narrows it down. Um, <laughs> I forget what the movie was called, but it it's was a, a movie. A yeah, um, but it was a movie where. Jackie, apparently where him and the guy Ooh, doggo. So, me No, 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 no. hold on. See, I'm sick. I'm just losing my crap. So Um So he he was talking about how Jackie and the guy would just come in on set rehearse some of the moves make up some of the moves and rehearse them a little bit and then go in and shoot. And apparently, it will. It took two months for them to film that one fight, just that one fight scene. Um, and, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. And just like that's, I was just saying that like, that's what it reminds me of. Anyway, um, yeah, so. Also in the car, in the uh, cargo plane bit, those grenades. I remember, I remember why the why that moment was so memorable to me at the now watching it back. Before I before I um. Come here, baby. Oh, we're getting a dog on the show. On the show. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Die Hard Two, Doggo? What are your thoughts on Skywalkers? <laughs> How do they rise? He, he's giving me this look of why are you bugging me? <laughs> um, but I remember when the cargo like uh, I cargo plane thing outside. I want to go bark at it. When <laughs> <coughs> I was remembering why the plane sequence was so the cargo plane sequence was memorable, those grenades took forever to go off. I'm nitpicking. I'm nitpicking. No, I don't. No, they take forever. Like those are, like those are like five second grenades. Yeah. And people, and people, that reminds me of how people people have said like a five second grenade is actually three seconds. So, um, <laughs> so, thank you, boy. Uh, um. No, I agree. When I when I was watching it again, I was like, "Take it a little long there, grenade." I was like, I was like, I, I looked at my watch. I got up. I got a sandwich. I came back, and the grenades hadn't gone off yet. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I was wondering, like, oh, that's why I remember the scene so well because the grenades took forever to go off. I'm like, okay, um, so yeah, I um. This movie does nail the um, the the beats of the first movie um, to a T almost, except it's at an airport. But um, yeah, I didn't hate watching this. I was like, that was okay. It was the first movie, so 
then okay. again, it was it was less memorable. So it is less memorable. Yeah. Uh, C plus. Mm. I you wanted to give it B minus, but I wanted to give it B minus. <laughs> I wanted to give it. <laughs> I wanted to give it B minus. I wanted to give it B minus, and I'm like, that's too close to the first one. I feel like it's not on that level. Oh, dude, what? Yeah, what did you grade the first one? I gave it a soft B plus. I was gonna. I wanted to give it time. And you will give this what? A C plus. Yeah, damn right. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, I would. I'm just kidding. Um. Uh, I never really hated this one. I always watched it and thought. And it's just, it just kind of washed over me as a kid. I just, I knew it existed, and the thing that always stuck with me was the, um, the ejection scene. But uh, ultimately, watching it now, there are things that I think are really that stand out that are just odd. That really just make it a weird movie in general. Like when she's like, um, "Get with the '90s," it, faxes and stuff like that. I was like, "That's a weird line." Um, him doing naked yoga is weird. That was pretty weird. Uh, um, there's just a lot of things about there. Like when, it, like he quips a lot in the movie. He says a lot of jokes, but every now and then there are times where he is obviously not facing the camera, and he says a line or he says a joke, and you know they just did it in the studio later. Uh, like when he drops down from the parachute after the ejection, and he starts looking for his way out. He's like, "Where's the door?" And it's like, you know, you know that's an ADR. Or like when he's getting when he's getting chased by the guys in the luggage room, he's like, "Is this is a tag team now?" And it's like you didn't say that while you were doing parkour up the thing, right? You didn't have that kind of air. You can't breathe that well. Uh, mm-hmm. um, the, so there are things like that that kind of like take it away. But I do. I the villain stuck with me this time, and him him guiding that plate down is pretty pretty scary. We got you. We got you. There are actually two moments in this where people die where it's it actually is truly terrifying to me. Yeah. Like if these last moments of these person's life, it'd be terrifying. If you're a pilot and your plane is crashing on the ground and you have been guided by these people and they're just quietly whispering, we've got you as you hear everyone burn and die. That's horrifying. That's horrifying. Yeah. And then the other one. I do think it, about that a lot when I see moments yeah. like that. That's pretty crazy. And then the other one is when the uh, Marines that are turncoat have a radio guy that joined them because the guy that was original turncoat with them got sick. So they had to have a new Marine show up. So <laughs> he knows none of the plan. So actually, by the way, this, this actually makes sense. It's actually a, it's a tell about these guys being bad. There's several tells actually about these guys being bad. Um, and the biggest one is that when they are in the luggage room about to be chased by John McClane, they're talking about one of their men being sick. And you think they're talking about the uh, army men that are taking over the church. They're really talking about the radio guy for the Marines that would show up later. And he tells John McClane later, no, 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 I'm a replacement because the other guy got sick. And that's the tell. And then later when they're in the truck and they're going to kill him, um, He's like, yeah, we did it, guys. We're going to go. We, we did it, right? And then, the, and then, yeah, the colonel just, like, totally slits this guy's throat. It's like, 
it's amazing. <laughs> he just in front of everyone. He's just like, it's, it's awesome. His blood, just blood starts spurring out. But then he looks at the other soldiers, and all of them just stare back, stone like robots. It's actually pretty terrifying. It's the last thing I looked at was a group of soldiers just staring dead eyed at me as I bled to death. I, I I don't know what I'd be shitting my pants at the same time. Everything everything would be coming out of every hole. It's terrifying. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's so there yeah. are things that I enjoy. Um, so ultimately, <laughs> as a diehard movie, knowing what's to come later, that's the most interesting question. What I want? Do I want? Uh, like, I this is obviously not the worst thing that's going to happen. But is it better than four? Is it a better diehard movie than four? Because it's closer to who John McClane is. Is it a better action movie? I haven't seen four in so long, so I don't know. Uh, for now, I'm gonna give it a soft. I'm gonna go C minus. Okay. I think the action is not that memorable, and I think ultimately the movie is not that memorable. But it's competent, and it is it is basically Bruce Willis being charming. And I think it's all right, but uh, I, I, my, my, I'm pretty interested to see what I feel like watching Vengeance again, and then watching Live Free Die Hard. Those are going to be the two most interesting rankings for me. They may change what two does, but I can't wait. Like I've got, I want to watch three right now. Huh. Zach, based on what you hear, what do you grade the movie? <laughs> I'm going to grade it one big dog on my lap. <laughs> <laughs> one big dog. Why you call your girlfriend a dog, man? Jeez. <laughs> 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 You're funny. <laughs> I have moments. I have my moments. He does, you do have your moments. Um... All right, so that was that was a uh, that was a Die Hard movie. So next up is Die Hard with a Vengeance, then. Yes. The Return of McTiernan. Um, we'll Return of um, This is an interesting point in Bruce Willis's career. In the first movie, Bruce Willis was not a star yet. He was a rising star. Like he had a TV show. He was funny. By this movie, he was a star. Like he was a star. Um, in the third movie, he's doing different, he's trying to do different stuff. He's trying to do serious movies. I think it's the exact same year that Pulp Fiction came out. So he's working with Samuel Jackson in both of those movies. So, so when's the point that he stops caring? He stops, uh, uh, when we get to four, I can't wait to, to just point out some interesting stories about that movie. It's. It, that movie cannot be talked about without being without discussing the absolute asshole dish dick dick ishness of Bruce Willis. He is a douchebag to every level on set for that movie. I think by the last movie he doesn't care. I think by the last movie he's such a big jerk for anybody to work with that they picked a first time director and they shot it in Russia with a crew that was bare minimum, and they got Jack Courtney. So like. I don't think anybody wanted to work with him at that point anymore. So I, I think 
five is when he just absolutely doesn't care anymore. And four was his last ditch effort. Four is the movie that was supposed to be the return of Don McLean. And to a certain extent, I don't think it's a bad movie. I also don't, I also like a lot of this is going to be interesting when you see three, three is such a, like if the first movie is a good movie for just being a guy in one place situation, the great thing about the third one is it's not about one guy in the wrong place anymore. Like you get to see John McClane actually be a cop, like drive around and be a hero. It's not like one place anymore. He's got, he's got, a, he does a lot of things. It's a ridiculous movie. And a lot of it is just doesn't like work. He should be killed m- numerous times, but you don't care because it's so much fun. Okay. <sighs> oh man. All right. So next time, uh, Die Hard the Vengeance and another hour and a half talking about Star Wars. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> It'll be cut down to 45 minutes by that point. Yeah, exactly. It gets um, lower, lower and lower every yet. <laughs> All right. So there you have it, everybody. That was uh, Die Hard 2. And uh, yeah, so next time, Die Hard with a Vengeance, and I will hopefully be healthier. Hopefully. Hopefully. So, uh, all right. Say goodbye, guys. Bye. We've got you. We've got you. Hashtag release the Scott Derrickson cut. (laughs) We got that cut. It wasn't a very good cut. (laughs) I don't know.